long ago. Three boys in Northern Virginia lived together in harmony. Then, everything changed when puberty and their separate lives attacked. Only this podcast, master of all the hours of their lives, could save them, and when the world needed it most, it happened. A hundred episodes passed, and my boys and I discovered a new pastime, Twitch streaming. And although our audio skills are great, we have a lot to learn before we're ready to stream to anyone. But I believe this podcast and all our related content can save the world. Welcome to Are We Friends? I am your co-host, Taylor. And I'm Jorge. And today joining us, we have... Hey, it's Emily from Downtime with John and Emily. Heyo, it's Shannon. Thank you guys so much for being on. Brian is not available tonight. We are in the process of moving a lot of us. Unfortunately, the boys' house, um, comprised solely of me and Brian, is no more. Moving on with our lives and making big changes. So, yeah, the uh, internet company fucked him. So, (laughs) we have our fearless stand-in co-host, Shannon, and one of our favorite guests, Emily from Downtime with John and Emily. Thank you guys so much for being here. Before we get started, we got a few things to talk about. Yep. Uh, so things have been a, a little bit quieter. I mean, so they, they, what, they pulled out the, the federal troops from Portland, right? Yeah. Uh, in Richmond, the, not much has happened in, in as far as like protesters getting attacked by police or more like white nationalists attack, like getting involved in the groups at all. But, uh, recently the Maggie Walker house or, uh, her resting place her was gravesite. Grave her yeah. gravesite was um, vandalized. Yep, that's not awesome. And the police have been taking personal items and things that have been brought to a publicly reclaimed space, Marcus David Peter Circle, and people have been arrested for uh, trespassing, which is a nonsense. They also have been handing out flyers with like made up rules about what you are and are not allowed to do in public now near there. As Always refer to our link in our description for the ACLU, Your Rights as a Protester. They also have fabulous links for your rights when you're just standing around. So, yeah. Though they are the, the, the police will still just do whatever they want to you while you're physically there, but it at least gives you some, some recourse yeah. afterwards. Uh, if you, In case you missed it, that is the reason we are protesting right now, is that yeah. exact disregard for what the American Civil Liberties Union has yeah. You know, if uh, your constitutional rights, if you're still not spending any time taking direct actions or going to protests or at least reading up more about this stuff, uh, at least if you could look into getting your mail in ballot early because there's expected to be many delays with the voting system in general. And it seems like Trump is is pushing towards doing whatever kind of fuckery he can get away with to to mess up the elections. (sighs) He's been pushing at it since 2019 and he finally came out and said the quiet part loud and i don't want to do the election so we all saw that coming let's take advantage of every opportunity that we have on our side to mitigate whatever fuckery our president tries to do yeah so i I would recommend signing up for the mail-in ballots right now particularly if you're in virginia i don't know what the dates are like in other states Uh, and then chen you also just made a, a a document with some simple instructions for Mm-hmm. Yeah, I made a Google Doc that just has super simple instructions for how to get your mail-in ballot. It is basically just going to a website, typing in your name and address and like social security number, 
and then you say i want my mail-in ballot and they say okay yes please here's your mail-in ballot we will mail it to you so to be clear the social security number goes into the website not into the google doc um yeah sorry yes the way you said that like it's a very easy document it links to a website and before you do that you just give us your social security number and we're ready to roll here Yeah, just give it to me and and nobody else just just shannon that you heard it here for first folks give give me those numbers yeah so we can hey you know post that we don't even need all of it just yeah now we can move on to the (laughs) to the giggles don't don't Um, forget to put your number in the document thank you Absolutely. Uh, so, yeah, we left off last week in the middle of uh, book three. We ended at the midseason finale. Jorge, do you want to tell us where we are? Yeah, so we just finished chapter 11, The Day of Black Sun, part two, The Eclipse, which is kind of a long title, honestly. Um, it- yeah, they kind of took a leaf out of the uh, Are We Friends book there on the titling. <laughs> like just, I feel like yeah. when you do a part two, you don't need something after the colon. You know, you can just have like blah 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 part two yeah they, right they really like adding in those extra words yeah oh just yeah. wait till the to the season to the series finale no uh oh boy so after that if you recall they just finished the black sun invasion that did not go well and uh team avatar runs off to the western air temple for chapter 12 the western air temple which is the best fucking chapter like really? I feel like the finale. This is the, the best one. You're going to say the Western Air Temple is the best episode of Avatar. No, it's not the best episode. <laughs> no, wait. It's a really good episode, though. <laughs> okay. Wait. I mean, it's, it's not like bad. like, refresh my memory. Like, it's what so, happened when, in this? Okay, so, like, Day of Black Sun happens, right? Zuko's, like, to his daddy. He's like, I'm fucking out of here. I'm going to be brave and I'm going to put on my big boy pants and say that everything you taught me is wrong and we are not awesome as a fire nation. In fact, everyone fucking hates us. And since he's a teenager, he only really cares about whether other people think of him specifically, but that's, you know, he's got some growing to do, but he's done a little bit already. And then he goes and he fucks off. Like they fail at day of black sun. They go to Western air, air temple and he follows them. Zuko to the Western air, air temple. And that's when he has his whole wonderful, conversations to a frog you know where he like oh, yes. does That's his right. rehearsals hey, and be zuko like here hey zuko here like i'm it turns out i don't know how to talk to people which we learned a little bit in like the earth kingdom right that he's like this prince boy but once he gets stripped down to nothing he's like not a human underneath like yeah. he has he's awkward cf his date as lee in the tales of bossing say where it starts like so fucking piss poorly um in this same episode i mentioned it in our last week's episode about the fabulous azula impression that dante bosco does and then he does an equally fabulous uncle iroh impression when he's trying to like give himself advice as other people because he still can't really think for himself and i love the advice that uh in the voice of zuko sorry in the voice of iroh that he gives himself like zuko you have to look within yourself only then will your true self reveal yourself to yourself (laughs) okay i still don't understand it even when i'm saying it (laughs) it's like it's a very funny moment and dante bosco acts the shit out of it yeah, he does a good job. So so why is the Western Air Temple the best chapter? 
No, I just th- I just like the Zuko bit. Like that's oh, my favorite. Okay. <laughs> I just like Zuko. Like you mean hyper? I love Zuko as a character. He's you mean great. like oh this is the best episode? Not like the like I believe that this is the best episode. No, no, Nacho. I'm like oh yeah, this is the like best nachos episode. are the like, best. I mean right, but like that's are nachos kind of are, are nachos not nachos the best? Do we need to have a conversation for it? Like, I yeah. is everything nachos okay? Are fucking rad. No, I like the Western example. I I don't like the like. Oh, it's just the kids again. But then they have all those randos in there now. Uh, yeah, they, they can you know? ditch the random people. Yeah, yeah, like, fuck the randos. They do ditch yeah. them, though, at the yeah. end of that episode. They're like, Very okay, uh, randos, we tried this, and it was it didn't work. So get yeah. in the cave. Get just in the cave. Back go to away. the dream team. How, how do we collectively feel about, what's his name, Combustion Man? Explodey Heady Man? Combustion Man. Uh, sparky Sparky Boom Man slash Combustion Man. Yeah. We talked about him last time. Um I love that his prosthetics, I love fantasy prosthetics because it's a great trope that like everyone agrees like, yeah, these should be better. Like we're just going to make them better in this universe. But I yeah, like it's it's better to have lost an arm and a leg than to have your shitty human arm and leg. <laughs> <laughs> this one's got spikes and shit on it. Um, I the, but I also the general consensus was like he's he's cool enough. He's fine. We definitely wouldn't want him around for any longer than he is. Yeah, right? agreed. Like, agreed. I think yeah. it was just like too powerful. But then they gave him like a very simple kryptonite. I actually love that. That's the that's the vampire effect for me. Like it's super. Mm. I think it's awesome when somebody's very powerful, but they have like a specific like thing one you can dumb use. Thing. The Achilles heel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. That was also awesome. That's why we yeah. still say Achilles heel. I know, and thank you, Virgil, for that one for coming up with that shit because that shit is not in the Iliad. Um, really? It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really funny because his ankle. Yeah, so it's it's technically his heel. Um, but no one likes to say the Achilles heel. Um, that's the it's actual. Like Isn't that what we say? Oh, his Achilles heel. Sorry, <clears throat> sorry. It's the actual, tendon. the actual word is ankle because um, uh, Achilles' mother grabs him by the ankle and dips him in the river Styx. <clears throat> so, like the bottom of his foot is fine, but just the place where she was holding him and dunked yeah. him—that's where he's weak. And so Virgil comes up with this. The later Latin poet comes up with, uh, oh fuck it, Paris. I think shoots him. And it's really fucking rad, and somehow he dies by being struck in it's the a ankle. Poison arrow. Yeah, whatever. It's it's I a mean, rad convention. I mean, it is. Um, one of the things I do love about this episode the most is the construction of the Western Air Temple. Like it's on the bottom of a cliff, an ov- overhanging cliff, and it's all built upside down so that you know, like it, only Airbenders could get onto it. And it's, it's I don't know. So it's so obnoxious. It's, though. I, it's I don't like it. I, Thank you. You yeah. still have to stand right up on it. It's not like Airbenders can walk upside down and they that's how they hang out on there. You know, it's not yeah, anti gravitation. I thought it was they cool. They were flexing on everyone. Yeah, and they're no, just like, ooh, look how whimsical we are. Bullshit. Agreed. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, fuck you, joyless people. I think it's awesome. <laughs> You're also the only one who would be an airbender. Is oh, that correct? yeah. No, I'm an earthbender all uh, the way. Are you okay. kidding? Uh, yeah. I mean, yes. Have you I, met me? I. I, I wow. <laughs> Damn. Wow. Just air your hurt. dirty laundry. You that's fine. We'll take it. Get the shit out of you. Jesus uh, Christ. Chapter 13, <laughs> the firebending mat. So the next three chapters are actor. The next few chapters are all different adventures with Zuko and a party member. This one is Zuko and Aang going to, to check out some. They're trying to go find the original firebending community secrets so that they can find out a different way to firebend that doesn't come from some of the stuff that Zuko has lost by turning good. What were well, those it's things? Also that is it hate? 
It's anger. Yeah. So it's like, it's not only that Zuko doesn't know how to firebend, is that no one knows how to firebend except for Iroh. Because they make the, uh, you have the assumption that all of the firebending that's taught is from this adulterated place that's not the actual true origin of firebending as it's said from the from the sun warriors warriors so they go back to find the true meaning of firebending which is life and like energy as opposed to well yeah the, the specifically at that hateful angry uncontrolled place and it's like the ones who know true firebending are like Iroh and Zhang Zhang. I was right? actually going to yeah. ask if you believe that Zhang Zhang did learn that style or it, because he seems pretty, but I feel like he still does the anger firebending and that's why he's kind of bummed about being a firebender in general. Cause he yeah, he's yeah. pretty tormented I, by it. I feel like he is like, uh, whereas the fire nation teaches like this power through hate, he's got like power through a self hate or a power <laughs> through a spite right. um, or a power through regret. Like it's still a very emotional feel like he he makes he still makes rash decisions he still does like crazy you know like i won't teach you i will teach you fuck it you're angry i hate you i hate jow more you <laughs> do jow and just he doesn't seem like the chilled out blissed out we have anteater pets sun warrior philosophy like iroh has dude i love those anteaters i would love to have one of those anteaters as a pet. i would not absolutely they're not. so cute they have long hair they'll shed they eat goo gross so cute hey, the um oh are you talking about the 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 smelly thing that that lady has no not the sheer shoe not the sheer shoe um, which is like a big old mole so avatar uh, ang and zuko go to the the lost city of the the sun warriors which is in the fire nation and it's based on like a like a mesoamerican aztec inca sort of look um, and they assume that the the Sun Warriors have died out for hundreds of years, if not thousands of years ago, trying to find the true source of firebending. And they go and they realize all these booby traps, very Raiders of the Lost Ark style, are still active. And Zuko has this golden egg and he moves it and just absolutely Raider style. The bullshit starts to happen. And this adhesive starts to seep up from the ground and it presses them all the way up to the gate. And that's, that's when right. the Sun Warriors come and like, and the, the hell the you doing on our they, island? Yeah, the only way they can get the goo off is to, um, like, get their anteater pets to, like, to, to lick, lick them. it off. Yeah, yeah. To lick it. just like you have what to I, lick those frogs to get rid of that sickness. Yeah, oh they. God, I don't, is it a weird thing? Like, we gotta, a, we gotta a, suck on a lot of different kind of animals in this universe. It's like a traditional. It's a traditional medicine kind of thing, I think, where it's like, yeah, eat this thing, and it has special powers. It's like very. Yeah holistic type of rub the peppermint oil on your feet yeah. and you won't have scarlet fever anymore or yeah, shit like they're that. They're like pre like modern medicine, right? I don't know. Some of their medicine seems to work. Well, really it works well. good in this world. Yeah, absolutely. But, um, something I really Water like. Water that's right. Waterbenders, yeah, they have like magic healing. Like, yeah. fuck, why do you need medicine if you can just like you know rub a dub dub? Well, you here need goes medicine because the... they kill all the waterbenders. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> kind of created your own problem and solution there. Mm -hmm. um, but what I really like about this episode structurally is that we see that 
Zuko and Aang have opposite problems with terms of firebending. Zuko no longer have his, has his hate outwardly and thus cannot firebend. And Aang is so fearful and has a hate pointed inward that he cannot firebend. And so when they are told, like, they are given a portion of this sacred flame, this flame that was given to them by the original firebenders, the Sun Warriors, and they have to take it up to meet the two masters whose identity is kept secret... Zuko can kind of hold it together like he's still like he's obviously more practiced but Aang can't do it but at the end they were both put on the same equal zero again because Aang loses his fire and he's like ah oh, shit I can't do it give me some of yours like stop cheating off of me as it's like, like all the sun warriors un Aang move I know I yeah. thought it was weird I wanted to talk about that yeah but they they reveal the the identity of the two masters and it's the dragons. And this is where we really learn that the dragons um, like the sky bison and like the badger moles are the ones who taught people originally to firebend and they shoot up. And in this sort of hallucinogenic, beautiful fire, they see it like they see the, the message of the, the sun warriors and that the sun, the ultimate source of fire is huge and powerful and dangerous. And yet it is in total harmony with nature, which is a line that Zhang Zhang does tell Aang. So wow. maybe there is some evidence that he got at least a little bit of it because he points to Aang to the sun originally too. Okay. I've had trips that look like that and I, I never <laughs> learned anything else. So, well, that's sad. I'm sorry. sorry we've, got our, we've got a puppy in the room today, and everybody. Untrained. <laughs> so I, I have a, I have a theory I want to run by you. Okay. So there's those two dragons, right? These are the same dragons that we see in Zuko's dreams about being good and evil and shit, right? They look yeah. exactly the same. So it's clearly it's those same two dragons that have mm -hmm. some sort of psychic link with Zuko, and I don't well, think other dragons now. Previously, so do you think Taylor that comes from Roku? Because Roku has his, he has Fang, right? Who's his like spirit creature. And so he like his animal guide is what they call it, right? So like Roku had Fang, which was the dragon. And Roku is Zuko's great grandfather. Sure. That maybe he does have side. that sort of link. But I don't like no... I don't think that your children see your pets in their dreams, right? I don't know. I haven't seen um, because uh, what's it called, Cora? Yeah, Do no, that that does, I did watch it. No, none of them have dreams about uh, Appa. You know, like that's so sad. I'm, I feel like Appa should get a cameo in Cora. He should. He does not. Uh, there I feel are, like there Appa dies the exact same moment that Aang does. I hope so. I don't yeah. want either of them to live without the other. Agreed. But no. If Zuko's having dreams, means he's in some way psychically linked to not one of the dragons, but both of them, right? Now, Taylor, yeah. you said that this that the the reason that it makes sense for uh fire for the Fire Lord to be so powerful is because that particular bloodline has much stronger firebending abilities than everybody else in the Fire Nation. Ergo, I think enough evidence to say that people definitely banked dragons way back in the day, and that's the line that Zuko comes from. What? That is yeah, a, I'm done with it. I jump, don't understand though. the logic. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't get the jump to dragon banging. <laughs> no, you definitely I said get, like, everything the... that you and you were like, "Yep, appropriately connected those I... topics." But really, I I see through you. I I, then you I don't. Yeah. Today's episode brought to you by the letter Q with that conspiracy theory. Like you definitely like that last jump. Like ah, <laughs> I don't know, man. But um, that's what I got. That's what I got. I will <laughs> no, say I'm not gonna I know lie. for a fact, B 
Batman makes bigger jumps in the original Batman TV series. So. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, I was, thought, I was talking about physical <laughs> That's jumps. Exactly what I thought. Like, <laughs> he leaps <laughs> taller buildings. That's exactly what I thought, too. <laughs> if I were to quantify the jump I made physically, I would say that it is probably still larger than Batman can jump, but not larger than other superheroes can jump, if yeah. that makes sense. <laughs> You're the... saying that you you personally, Jorge, Bar- Jorge <laughs> no, I'm saying I'm sorry. If, I'm no, sorry, the I'm jump sorry, that sorry, he made sorry. in logic. If we were taking my theory jump and made it into a physical distance, <gasps> that you would require superhuman powers to make that jump physically, but not. But you you could make it. I'm, I'm not <laughs> doing well with this analogy. I'm, <laughs> I'm, not gonna lie. I'm speaking I'm of analogies. Um, what I like is this is an analogous episode to several other moments that we've had through the series. Kind of, uh, we've had Iroh, when we talk about the different ways that bending was originally derived. And I think especially with fire's opposite um, element, water, the way that the moon is in perfect harmony, pushing and pulling and creating the tides. And that's where the waterbenders learn that the sun, via the dragons, is how the firebenders get theirs. And so we see this same continuous message of push and pull. Wisdom needs to come from a variety of sources and that there's a variety of elements in a singular person that need to be like that are in conflict and yet can be harmonious. And I thought this like this was a really good episode to kind of finally tie this last dangerous element into this um sort of through line that they've had through the series. Well, it's also the continuum, right? Like I get really caught up in like that. It's all kind of on a spectrum. Just like there are some benders of each element that are more powerful than other benders. And the avatar has all of these, but also Aang learns energy bending and in learning energy bending sort of finishes what the guru tells him about all elements being the same. And that's sort of like in my mind, I'm like, Oh yeah. If anyone bothered to study enough and there weren't those barriers between them then literally anyone could be the avatar as long as you have like any bending ability whatsoever you could learn another element and we like to see that with the uh, with their bending styles as well hey i hate those bending styles hate to tell you but canonically is not possible i get what you're saying and i'm I'm in agreement makes me feel like it's a warm fuzzy you know yeah i i get it I'm I'm with you because even like within the Avatar, they even say that the original benders learned how to bend from animals. They didn't have it like magically built into them, right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It's not just purely genetic. For whatever reason, you learn it and then you can pass it to your children genetically. But the freeloaders people can't learn it. I it doesn't. What Emily's saying makes more sense than what is canonical. Well, there's an interesting bit because neither of Toph's parents are benders. So do we have an example here? Because she says she's, she learned from the badger moles. Is she an example of someone like in the the most ancient tradition, like learning like bending from jump? Why do you think um, her parents aren't benders? We never see them bend. And she ha- they have to hire That's, benders to go get her. I mean, I, I... It's a theory. Theory. And also Katara's parents aren't benders. Her mother's better. That's true. That's why they know. No, because no, she, um, she there's one she bender left. Yeah. She covers, which we're going to get to in one of my favorite examples. And another oh. thing of what I was talking about last episode, Katara's, um, like what Emily was going on, Katara's 
uh, mixed style of water bending. So let's yeah, let's let's keep going on because I love this arc. Also, sorry, this is the last thing I'll say on what we're about to talk about. This little arc of Zuko Isn't it like paired the first thing with. Thing you'll say about what we're about to talk about. I guess so. As we lead into the next episode, each of these little Zuko episodes where he has an individual journey with Katara, then with so- oh, sorry with Ang, then Sokka, then Katara are very different and I bet at the same time like it, it certainly imbricates them very quickly and it's a clever bit of writing like how quickly they can gain that trust by doing these things that are necessary to the plot like it's very clean like I just kudos to the storyboarders or whenever they were coming up with the arc of season three because like yeah by the end of it like I forget that Zuko was a bad guy for two and a half seasons if you haven't re if you haven't been watching the show repeatedly it it's always like looking back in memory it always seems like it's been many more episodes that they spent together uh yeah so we're running into what is actually a two-parter chapter 14 and 15 the boiling rocks part one and two with no subtitle from there which is breaking what they normally do with multi-part episodes but i, th- I think this one's interesting because i didn't even realize it was a two-parter i just thought it was a very long really? boring episode <laughs> I yeah. you think this is a boring episode? i like it fine i, don't I think like the i think it's hurt by being episodes. two parts right because it feels okay. like one long boring episode but i think if it was only one episode long then maybe it would be like enough because i i do like a lot of the things that happen into it but i'm I'm with emily the prison episodes in general are not my favorites Mm -hmm. so i like that the first prison episode we have the first fire nation prison with haru and all of the earthbenders one of my least favorite episodes don't like Uh, but i love the is haru the dad or the son the The son i don't like i don't like haru or his dad no, he's a huge cheese dick. He's a giant <laughs> cheese dick. Like and then is. they solidify that by making him come back with a mustache. Yeah. So, like, a they tell you. Cheese Dickerson mm-hmm. the first. And also Katara is attracted to him. So, I mean, that's like I the am final nail on the coffin. Because she only likes yeah. Jack. She only likes fuckboys. She fuck only boys. likes yeah. fuckboys. Mm-hmm. She does. Oh, I'm still mad. I'm still so mad at Jet for being even existing. The fuckiest fuckboy dude. It's oh, not yeah. it's not that even his what sucks. not even what specifically he does. There's just something about that guy. I don't fucking I, like. I hate him. Dude. It's I, I'll tell you what it is. I'll tell you what it is right now. It's the fucking piece of grass that he keeps in his mouth. That's what it is. That's the <laughs> worst part about <laughs> him. That's the worst. indicator. I just I can't stand that guy. He could have but been the, a perfect pal the whole time if his attitude was exactly <laughs> the same. I would never accept him in. But uh, for this episode, now that we have Zuko in, we get a lot more insight into the political and logistical workings of the Fire Nation. And Sokka is obviously untrust untrusting of Zuko when he first comes. So he asks, like, you know, they took my dad. He asks, like, you took my dad. Do you know where they could be? Like, well, they usually take prisoners of war or the worst criminals to a place called the Boiling Rock. And me being the Fire Prince, I know exactly where it is. So, like, yeah. Let's hop on. Let's hop on a little floaty here, and let's just float, float, float all the way and do a prison break episode. Two episodes. So the boiling rock is a lake, which is inside of a volcano, which somehow continuously refills, but is always boiling, which is a cool thing, like conceptually, and an impossible thing geologically. But they built a prison in there, and Hakoda, Sokka's father, as well as we find out Suki, have been kept uh after the day of black sun this is where they were sent but it's not because that's the whole point of the second part is they get there and they're total fucking failures like they fuck it up the first episode and then for some reason even after they fuck up this prison episode we get another prison episode so that they can do it right Mm -hmm. because they mess it up they only find suki and then they fail at escaping and then we get the second boiling rock where hakoda shows up and they're like oh i guess we can't leave and then they do it right it's it's as as if they 
they have a dungeon master who is like, well, y'all would have wiped, but let me just like help you out here yeah. for a second. Like, let's reset. Let me find a way to fix the One mistake you made. One more thing. Or yeah. they were yeah. like, we have a set number of episodes that we need to reach, so this one's gonna have to be a two-parter, guys. I'm so sorry. We already made the finale four parts. We can't possibly fit another one in there. This does have one of my favorite bits about how people work, like a, a, a just a, a quick psychological moment that I loved when they go when Hakoda and Sokka and Suki are all trying to come up with this new plan. Like, all right, now that we fucked up the first one, how do we escape here? And this the guy who biffs the first one, I think his name is Chang. I really think his name might be Chang or Chan. Careful now. Whatever. Prisoner number one comes like, Big guy. hey, you guys are planning another prison escape in, right? I want in this Shawshank. Guy. Yeah, and he comes in like, cool, well, we need a distraction. Like, how will we get everyone to riot? And so, like, I forget, someone does something like, hey, you guys, uh, I'm going to fight you. Like, actually, the guy that Sokka tries to pick a fight with, actually, I've been trying to work on my anger, and I don't really want to fight. And Chan or whoever comes over, grabs the dude, goes, hey, motherfuckers, riot! And immediately, you just start seeing, like, fire shooting in the air like oh yippee motherfuckers we're gonna go and that's absolutely how you get a crowd going people bending it is people that is some that's the first bit of energy bending that we get (laughs) that guy right there he's a master of it he can control a crowd tell me his energy was not in motion you can't oh yeah absolutely um it is crazy to me that they can keep a bunch of firebenders to not firebend. I mean, I know. Yeah, there's just like people, no firebending, and they're like, okay. People okay. break entire <laughs> communities all the time in, in prison situations, but it That's is true. It is wild. Oh, but, but with all the other benders, they put in the work to be like, okay, there's no earth anywhere nearby, and there's no this, and there's no that. Like and with the, the firebenders, the they're just like, please don't firebend. <laughs> please. Yeah. I think they're extra mean to them to stop them from firebending. It makes it. It, well, it is weird that they. They're unlike the other prisons where instead of taking their element away, they put them somewhere where there is more of their element. But I guess it was... They're like, use it for work. Here you go. The, But there are supposed to be other benders there, too. It's not just... Why are there so many firebenders in the prison crowd if it's a Fire Nation hey, prison? dissenters. You know, that there's always dis- dissenters and prisoners. Well, that's what I always know. thought about the Chang guy. He was not a dissenter. Like, it was pretty clear that this guy was just a hardened criminal that they were like, I mean... We can use you on Team Avatar because you're gigantic and terrifying. Like, like he was not a good guy before he went to prison. Are you sure? Maybe he was a hardcore Maybe communist fighting against the state. Maybe. I mean, I, I don't really think this guy. I don't know. The way he charges those people up, that's a man of the people right there. <laughs> Maybe. These people yeah. reclaim the boiling power rock. back to the people. I hope so. I hope so. Because he just does show up and gets, like, much more mellow. But, like, on the Boiling Rock, he's pretty much, like, gang leader. Like, he's like, I'm going to bring my friends. I'm going to fucking sabotage your plan unless me and my girlfriend can come, too. And it's like, oh, okay. All right. His girlfriend and, like, his best pal or something. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like, he brings his gang. And then they all fail. And then he abandons his girlfriend again. Like, she doesn't show back. <laughs> yeah. He's like, okay, well, you're clearly dead weight. She might not have made it out of the boat. They were, in, the, they were in that boiling water lake. They were in boiling water. So, they did sort of test run the boiling water on these people. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, the two things I like about this episode is, one, um, the insidiousness of the cooler. So the solitary confinement for firebenders and how they keep them from firebending is they throw them in a refrigeration unit called the cooler so that they 
can't bend. And this is a little bit more evidence for how strong the family, like the royal family bloodlines is. Because in the first season, we remember Iroh tells Zuko, like, hey, when you're cold, use your breath of fire. And this is an ability that you can, like, warm yourself back up with, like, uh, artificially with bending. And no one else seems to be able to do that because the cooler is an effective thing for yeah. everyone else. Like, and it's, a, it's an effective confinement. It's a prison so, but of the one, mind. Prison of the mind. It's it is Shawshank, um, but that like that one like that idea of mass incarceration um, and like how insidious incarceration is, I thought was a really nice bit to have in here. And secondly, we get Suki again, and there's one where they're kind of talking about like, okay, and how are we gonna do? It? We need to take the warden prisoner here, and Suki just kind of like dips out of the conversation, <laughs> just sprints up a wall, does some crazy gymnastics gags uh the the warden with his own headband and like comes up in the last moment is like her about to punch him like don't say a fucking word it's no just... she goes you're my prisoner now yeah, it's what fucking she fucking better. said that's one of the best scenes in the whole show like it's yeah. just surprisingly effective tiktok of just somebody watching that and reacting to it mm-hmm. uh yeah. well it's just like i love that suki becomes this character that just like gets shit done that's her whole deal is she's like i'm good on my own but i am the key like if it weren't like for me none of this shit would be happening like later on she proves herself to be incredible like essential it's like she could have been goes what would we do without you and it's like you would crash and burn because suki is just like dead yeah. She, she's like a fucking, um, what's it called? A Swiss Army knife. She's just a, like really great. No, she, for... could, she could have been on the team the entire time, but she was too busy helping many, many more people than them at once. Yeah, yeah like helping refugees while you guys off were fucking around in some spirit library yeah, you or mean whatever. Like she was on the ground like, helping like, people. Getting chased like, by an owl. Like all those yeah. fucking people that were dying while y'all were just like playing in the water like and splashing around. Ooh. Yeah, yeah, like something and tells me. It's like, sort of the same with like Toph when she came in. Was like, oh yeah, how did we do anything without you? Mm-hmm. Like magical person who can see things that we cannot see. Like she was a perfect little shoehorn. They're like for the her- everything. They're like the Hermiones of Avatar. Yeah, it's like, truly. Because women men get can't things do done. shit, dude. Men are trash. Men can't do anything. <laughs> so trash. women have to come can't in and find save their the ass with Think both of, hands. Dude, if if Katara, <laughs> Suki, and and uh, Toph were Toph. not in Avatar, like <laughs> that that would be it, dude. It would just be Sokka okay. and Aang fighting each other, and that would be the On, end. Um, and also, the scariest adversaries are women too. Yeah. You have May, Tylee, and fucking um, Azula. Azula. Scary, that's yes. why I feel like the best that you can hope for as a man is to be like the Sokka character, where it's like you mean well, <laughs> and you get some stuff done, <laughs> and you get to date one of the super hot feminists. <laughs> one of one of my favorite meme formats on Avatar memes, the subreddit right now, is like when the boys are apart and it's like a cool like Aang in the Avatar state and Sokka like with the armored Appa coming in boys together and it's just different scenes where Sokka and Aang are talking to each other, being absolute window lickers together. <laughs> oh my god, the hawk scene. So good, yeah. the, when the girls are fighting, like Katara and Toph are in That's a exactly fight. One of the ones and they is. have like the hawk, like Sokka has his new hawk, which he does <laughs> okay. not know how to operate 
And then they're trying to send letters and they don't realize that Toph cannot, cannot read or write. <laughs> and they're trying to send letters from the girls to try to play. Like, you uh, can't be girls Dear Katara, I'm really sorry I did that. And Katara gets it. Like, I know you guys wrote this. She... She she she's blind. Like she didn't send me the letter like, on your hawk. Well, we can try to send one to Toph next. I think we're gonna run into a similar problem. Like, <laughs> it's the line. It's so good. But we, so we get over the boiling boi- uh, boiling rock. We end with what perhaps is the worst line in the entire series, where Toph says oh. something like, "Did you get any meat?" And he goes, "I did." I got the greatest meat of all, the meat of friendship and fatherhood. And they show all of their friends, you know, and family being saved and coming off the airship, which they stole from Azula because there's a cool battle on. But the coolest. That, that like, battle is actually thing happens. very cool. Yeah. So the coolest shit that I want to talk about, and then I'll shut up probably for the rest of the episode because it's the coolest thing to me. <laughs> and also reinforces so, th- this, this like, time my not girl hyper- power shit. This is not hyperbole. This time it is the coolest one. No, this okay. is legit. So this is something that I've talked to Taylor a lot about because I just think it's so cool. And it's May and Tylee, right? And they're just such great characters. And at the very end of it, you have the what sets off Azula unraveling mm-hmm. yes. because she is like Regina George and these are her army of skanks, right? Except they're fucking awesome ladies that have that are incredibly powerful in their own right, but they've been subjected to her will for so long. And then you have May breaking out of that for Zuko, right? So they're getting away and the three girls are going to go after all of the, the prisoners that are escaping and then you have May make a decision that Zuko is literally going to die if she lets this continue and she can't let it go on. So she rebels against Azula. And then you have Azula still thinking, like, how could you do this to me? She says that to May. She's like, how could you do this to me? You've betrayed me. You, you've underestimated my power. And May is like, no. I'm, I knew what I was doing. Like, I didn't underestimate the, your power. The line is, uh, I guess you miscalculated. I love Zuko more than I fear you. More than I fear you. Ooh. And then you see Ty Lee have a realization there. Because Ty Lee then, you know, they're about to face off May versus Azula, which you know is, like, not a fight that May is going to win at all. But forgetting that Ty Lee is technically... The most powerful of all of them, because she can just fucking debilitate people. Like she's just like, you're on the ground now. Like, what are you going to do? I mean, it's- so she, I don't know. She's fucking rad. You gotta get. She gotta get a club, but she makes that decision. Like after May has that first stand, Ty Lee, out of frame, coming into frame, just pop, 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 and like stops Azula stops on Azula. the ground, takes away her bending temporarily, and surprises even herself with that because she didn't think she had it in herself to rebel against Azula, but she does it. And my little bisexual heart starts to flutter because she does yes. it for May. You know, she does it for May. And it's like, hell yeah. Uh, you know, ship it how you want. I feel like I that one is as friends. Together. Yeah, it is as friends. Yeah. I mean, you can ship whatever you want, but like, sure. I like shipping it. But like, if it's just friends, it's it's even better because that's true friendship versus Azula's coercion, coercion and manipulation, which yeah. is the way she gets power. Whereas these girls are like, no, we love each other, you know, and we're going to fucking fight you now. See, I told you guys these are great episodes. Look at all this stuff that's in them. (laughs) So at the very end, you have this little nugget. And then, of course, that's Azula being like, I can't even control these people who I've had such a 
such a fine-tuned control over for so long, you know. Well, it's a great representation of there are those types of people where trust to them means control. And when Mm -hmm. control can no longer happen, she, because the the language that Azula uh, uses later on is that I can trust no one. Like, no, 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 no. What you realize is that you can't fully control people. And so with that being your only idea of what trust could be, like, of course it shakes her. And we'll see more of that during the finale. But let's um, let's move on to the next episode because we we have perhaps my favorite adventure coming up. Chapter sixteen: The Southern Raiders, in which Katara goes on an adventure with Zuko. So Katara has been, like we have said before, like a, a grudge holder. Um, surprisingly, whereas Sokka on the surface is more unwilling to learn but learns these great lessons, Katara on the surface is more willing to learn but holds these grudges longer. Um, and one of the grudges that she's held is with Zuko because at the crossroads of destiny, she has this incredibly intimate moment and almost uses her spirit water from the, the lagoon in the Northern air temple to try to heal Zuko's scar. And thank God she didn't. Cause that's the only reason Aang is saved. So she is in no way happy with this new addition to so, team avatar. So sorry. L- lagoon. What did I say? You no, you said lagoon. I lagoon. My question is a, around the definition of lagoon and why you refer to that small. I think they refer to it as a pond the entire time. As I a guess it's a pond. Lagoon. <laughs> At the what lagoon, pond? the one in the northern the pond where uh, the fish water are. tribe. Yeah, with the koi fish. She doesn't have a moment with Zuko there. She has a moment. No, 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 with no, no. no. She has. She, she's where about. Where were you? No, no, no. Where were okay, you? She, she was about Where'd to use go? the water. She was about to use the water that she got from the lagoon. So from in, the pond. In Bossing Say. In Bossing Say to try to heal Zuko's scar in the Crossroads of Destiny, um, the season finale of season two, and she chooses not to do that. And that's the water that she uses to heal right. Aang that keeps him alive at the last uh, moment. I, so I'm not in order trying to, make to up dog this, you here. I just literally would like to know what a lagoon is. Because I don't know. A small water thing? I think it's I'm larger Googling than it. a pond. I'm larger Googling than a pond. When and does I it become it a being lake? Like cleaner? I feel like it's uh, similar to lake. It's hard to swim across. I think across. that's why it's like <laughs> l- lagoon is like mini lake. Okay. So Isn't that a pond? A lagoon, a lagoon is a stretch of salt water separated from the sea by a low sand bank or coral reef. Fuck or, me, I guess. Uh, okay, shit. A small like freshwater lake near a larger lake. Or river, so it's like it's like a smaller body of water that's next to a big body of water. Okay, is that like a so lock? Is that no. is a lock oh, a thing? No. Yeah, a, a lock, lock is, is like just a I think that was just lake. the Scottish word for lake. But it's a big. Well, no, but a isn't lock, the lock no, where lock? Nessie is? Oh my god! Like, be isn't it like a lagoon where it okay, is right next so to a larger? A lock. I think you're con- like conflating two things. A lock can be like the 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 Scottish word for lake, right? Oh. Or a lock is like when you're at like a canal and you have a ship that needs to go from a, a really low lock. area a to a high yeah. up elevated area and you fill it but up they're... with water so that it can go over to the high area. She's not even Googling aren't this those, shit. No, I just knew aren't that. Aren't those wrong. spelled differently? Yeah, yes. one is L-O-C-K, L-O-C-K and one is L-O-C-H. Yeah. So knowing me, I'm obviously talking auditory about medium. the body of <laughs> water where the Loch Ness Monster lives. That's obviously the only <laughs> yeah. lock I know about. Which is just okay. a lake. Which is so L-O-C-H. In order, it's pond, which is mini lake, lake, and then if you're a pond or lake near a bigger body of water, regardless if you're a pond or a lake, you could be a lagoon. 
if no, it, no, you're no. the smaller it's of the two. Lagoon Lake, obviously. <laughs> in that situation. We just listened part of it. So, so we, a lagoon. Like so I'm I'm thinking a lagoon is like when the pond is the sidecar to the motorcycle that is the lake. You know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> it's a smaller. There we that's go. why it's lagoon instead of a lake. Like you've, it's a, you know, it's like it's like adding ito. Can, yeah. can I just say that it's like a lake ito? I, you know, I, <laughs> I saw lagoon when Shannon okay. was googling it, and it, the way it showed up is where there was like L A. and then like a dot in the middle goon, which to me as a Spanish speaker just looks like <laughs> the goon. Lagoon. <laughs> <laughs> that's so, I'm not gonna lie. If I have a if I ever do a D&D campaign and I've got, like, some swampy people, I definitely want them to be French. And I want the one guy to be called Lagoon. Lagoon. Where he's just Lagoon. the guy they send out first every time. You are now Lagoon. Lagoon. So sorry. You were talking about something real. Kind of. I forget. Uh, where were we? What episode you were we talking oh, no, about? Oh, sorry, you sorry, were sorry, talking sorry. about I know, the I know where we are. Dude, Southern Raiders. My so, whole this is, uh, so in order, uh, as I'm treading out of this Lagoon, uh, in order for... Katara to not necessarily like trust Zuko, but she wants something from him and she knows that he's in a position to give it to her, tells her about, uh, tells him about the people that took her mother and describes the, the particular regalia that they were wearing. And Zuko being incredibly familiar with the fire nation military says it was probably the Southern Raiders. We can find them. And so they go trying to find the man, the specific also, man who took Katara's mother. Where is the thinking that it would be anyone if there's a group called the Southern Raiders and you were a water tribe <laughs> in the South that was raided by the Fire Nations? Why Why would it be any other group? Little on the nose, yeah. Well, it's not like, you know, like Katara knew ahead of time, like, well, there is no, this group, no, the Southern Zuko Raiders. Was like, yeah. Zuko tell was me like, more about specifically them. tell me exactly what they looked like when he knows that there is a group called the, the Southern, Southern Raider. To, to, to be fair, he was also in the South Pole. I was going to say, and he's not a Southern thing. Raider. I was yeah. going to say he also literally raided the South without while the Southern Raiders were still active. He was we on a fact-finding mission that was see, more like he a was. He was not uh, there exile. with the explicit purpose of raiding the South, like yeah, those other dudes. He was there to find the Avatar. In the episode, the Puppeteer, we do see. Um, the Fire Nation soldiers capturing the Southern Water Tribe waterbenders, and none of them are wearing the same regalia as the Southern Raiders. They seem to be like a Green Beret type thing, but for the Fire Navy. So I, I, I'm getting it from Zuko. Like, obviously, you should have gone to Southern Raiders a little earlier, but I can see, like, they're, they're not the only group that has fucked around on the South I, Pole. I think the dark reality is that there are many groups that raided throughout the South. Yeah. In addition to uh, the But regardless... We. This is my favorite episode for bending in the entire series, um, and I'll tell you why. Um, I said something similar, and it's for a very similar reason to the puppeteer. With the puppeteer, we get the first hint of Katara's bending in this mixed style that she uses, the like the Hungar inspired spire Tai Chi mixture. Um, we see a lot of like really cool wild water bending. We also see her blood bend without the full moon, without like the full moon. right yeah. off the bat. Yep. Cause she's like, she's so enraged. Like she, um, like just silently whipping away fire Navy soldiers when they find the Southern Raiders ship, like through tears, just whipping people off. And these like really smart, precise moves comes up and immediately blood bends the captain of the ship down. And there's a brief moment where we cut to just Zuko's face, like the top half of his face. And you and can he, see you him can going watch like, him pee his pants. <laughs> <Yeah>. like, <laughs> wait, you can see him like, what the fuck? 
waterbenders can do that? Like, it, it, it's like a horrifying moment. And he's, like, along for the ride. Like, hey, who am I to judge? You know, I'm not the greatest here. Um, well, I think this is also, like, the impetus for him choosing her to go fight Azula. Yeah, like, because I've seen what you like, can do. Yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah, no, I've seen you do shit that I have never seen before. I didn't and, even uh, imagine. Do you want to beat up my sister for me? <laughs> Does um, she offer to go with him? I thought it was her. No, like... he picks her. Oh. He has between her and Toph. Oh. He gets to choose between her and Toph, and he picks... Uh, Katara. I don't know why. Yeah, metal it, bending is cool, but there's not a lot of metal in Azula. There is a lot of blood, though. It took me literally until you said Toph to think about how close her name is to Tough and how stupid that is. <laughs> Just, <laughs> I love Toph. That's stupid, dude. But um, what my favorite moment is of this is uh, they realize when they get to the Southern Raider ship that it's not the same man. Um, that uh, took Katara's mother away from her. She realizes that, and she asks, um, like, uh, who is the older leader? And they find his location. When they find him, he's like a weaselly old man. And I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, but there's no other word for it. He's kind of a cuck. <laughs> he's kind of, he's, he's being cucked by his mother. It. You just uh, used oh, one. Weaselly, a weaselly man. He's mama's a weaselly little mama's boy. Mama and they find Mia. him and Katara. Um, he's like they, a Smithers type. Like a Smithers. Absolutely. Like a Smithers or a Jenkins. Uh, we've talked about what a Jenkins is on this show. Um, and they, they find him and they, Katara says like, you didn't find the last waterbender in the Southern water tribe. And he asks, who is she? And she turns and says me. And she does this huge thrust upwards and she stops the rain from falling. Uh, and it's like a hugely powerful and beautifully animated moment, but it's another version of waterbending is supposed to be all about the push and the pull of water like the the continuous movement the harmonious movement and we see here like katara just like oh but i can also just stop it i can just make water not behave like water anymore and she does it and you see this huge bubble happen and then she is just about to kill him and she stops but it's that exact moment of stopping the rain where it's like oh fuck that might be one of the coolest moments in the show, one of the coolest moments for Katara as a bender to show this incredibly like earthbender and styled, like sometimes you just have to make it stop. And then they use this as the transition after we reveal this like final moment of incredible power that she has the equally incredible powerfully moment of making the right decision of not forgiving him, but not killing him, the man who stole her mother. I thought it was a beautiful moment. It's a really well put together episode. I just love that there is like one part in the beginning of Avatar, like in season one, where Katara's like, oh, when? Like, Aang is better than me at airbending. When? When? And then you're like, never mind. She is more powerful than any waterbender that has ever existed. And like, it, it just seemingly comes out of nowhere. And then she's just like completely powerful. And it is just so incredible. You just gotta be Scrappy has a direct correlation with power in mm-hmm. the show. But uh, I was going to me, honestly, the I agree with all the things you said. I think for for me personally, the impact is severely damaged by blowing the blood load on the first guy rather than saving it for the second guy. Mm-hmm. To me, if she had yeah. done the, the rain thing and then blood bended him, that that's that to me, that would have been 
the because once once you're already bloodbend, then I'm like you you did you did the ultimate thing, and then you don't rise to that level again, right? So I it think hurts you're right. That from a for me. from a narrative standpoint, right. it would have been more powerful to bloodbend the guy you actually had the beef with. But stopping uh, the rain but, is, I mean, like Taylor's right. It is like it's it is so like unnatural. The, it's so the, unnatural. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I would say bloodbending is less It is a beautiful moment. I think it's it's more about the serenity of that moment, like the off-putting serenity where she stops the rain so that she can be heard and she can be seen by this man. You know what I mean? So it's more of a, like, look at me, properly see how powerful I am and face what you've done. And it's sort of like clearing the, clearing the rain out of the air so that this guy can actually see her mm-hmm. for what she is. That is a very powerful moment. Now, if she had done that and then bloodbended yeah. him, I would have said, like, A+. Plus. I would have creamed my jeans. Yeah. Yeah. my pants. That's exactly Absolutely. what I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. To be fair, this is also coming from somebody who thinks that Harry Potter should have Avada Kedavra and Voldemort at the, at the end of the series. <laughs> I, think Harry, uh, I think Harry should have just borrowed Uncle Vernon's gun from the very first <laughs> book. That's a, that's a whole, nother, whole nother topic. But If Harry yeah. had a gun... <laughs> It'd be over. It'd be over for you. Harry's slug. got a gun. <laughs> there so we, we should go. we should pick it up a little bit. Move along. So we yeah, don't have to go. do another one. Oh my god. Chapter, oh my god. Did we get to the finale I'm yet? Chapter, Taylor like was so nice to include me in this. You guys are so nice to include me in this. I do have a lot of feelings about Avatar, and you guys are free to just yeah. like this move along. This last episode was the the last bit that I wanted to talk about that I started in the the second series episode, just the transition of Katara's style of bending. So this was like the final moment of that little thesis I've been drawing us through, um like the stopping of the rain, like the absolute unnaturality of this style of bending and that it's a mix between like treating water like earth. Sorry, but that was the end of that. But yeah, let's let's move right along here. Do they do any particular different uh style for blood bending do you know like what the movements are reflective I of don't they look weird they look different like her heel is on the ground but her toes are up and it's always like a, a hand yeah. with the pinky down forcing down like it's a very unnatural set of movements which makes me think it might like, just be nothing <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah i think it's just like creepy looking yeah that might be the way okay uh chapter 17 the ember island players so this uh, is the episode. The play one. The play okay, one. Yeah, yeah widely a, known as the play one. This is the last episode before the four-part four-part four finale. Four-part finale. Yep. I, didn't ever, I did not realize it was this late in the game that this happened. No, it's the happy good time episode before you're like, oh my God, <laughs> when does the next episode come out? Oh! So the gang, spelled with two A's, um, meet... Uh, they go to Ember Island to hide out for the last little adventure that they're about to go on. And they are, they realize that there's a show based on the avatar, like a play that's going to happen from the Ember Island players. And they go see it and it's a horrible caricature and it like crushes their spirit and everything. Cause it like Not top tough. is a huge buff guy and Katara's a, you know, a prissy know-it-all and Sokka's a doof and Aang is a woman. Like it's, it's like, it's very funny. They all feel Played bad by about Rachel it. Rachel Dratch, by the way. That's very oh. funny. Very good. So Rachel Dratch plays um, 
female Aang. And uh, that's what I love about these episodes. And like, I'm such a nerd for voice acting. And I love when they have. Thanks for filling in that Brian energy. Thank you. Yeah. So like, I really love like pointing out voice actors and things because I think they're such talented people. But in specifically this episode, you have the hilarious replacements of all these people. And they were all very tongue in cheek. Like, so Rachel Dratch plays Aang. Um, and then you have, I believe, the brother of the the man who plays Sokka, plays Sokka in the Ember Island Players version. You have the voice actor from Azula playing Katara, and I don't know some man playing Toph, which is you know, funny because <laughs> her her man playing girl, but like whatever. Uh, you have like this very funny like tongue in cheek replacement energy that I enjoy a lot. Yeah. So yeah. Toph is. Toph likes that a man is playing her oh, she and the way that he's oh, she likes Fucking it. Yeah. Awesome. And Sokka is only upset that the jokes aren't up to his standards. But other than <laughs> yeah, that, that seems to be enough. good with it. And it's only it's only Katara and Aang that are super upset. Zuko is just I think Zuko's just upset that how how close it is to his. I think he feels it more. And like also it's that actually the scar real. is on the wrong side. Yeah. <laughs> the scar. Dude, what I, we also like, get a weird Aang is like just mad because it's a girl, right? No, it's no. He's mad because of the little brother energy. That's the main thing that the bothers goofy. him. Oh, yeah, and the, yeah. between him he's and Katara. Mad that, that's like, right. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Well, also, it's like Katara it's like turn is him played. Into Peter Pan. Katara yeah. is played by this very busty woman, like, <laughs> who's like very adult, and then Aang is like, I'm an incurable. What's it called? A prankster and like a small <laughs> child. Yeah. And so they like play yeah, tea. Tea. Yeah. So they play like Katara way older and they play Aang way younger. And so that already obviously Plays Aang has like difference. insecurities yeah. about being younger. And then it's even though he's like fucking 112, but like he has these insecurities and then the play like exacerbates mm-hmm. these differences between them. The the episode it does do a really good job of kind of like heightening the tension for all the characters. Cause they see like the worst version of themselves put on stage. Uh, what I love about this episode and is also just, they're teenagers. So yeah, they're teenagers and they're insecure. Yeah. Like, like, oh, great. Here's literally someone saying all the things I hate about myself <laughs> on a play for an audience. <laughs> and I'm watching and then it. People this is will a laugh nightmare. At me as they listen to the exact words that I said, I forget who brings back the flyer for the Ember Island players. And Zuko goes, ugh. The Ember Island players, God, they just butchered the love of two dragons. And everyone looks at him like, really? You're a theater lover? <laughs> like it's, it's just like, it's just a quick moment where one of the layers of Zuko is that he's into the theater. He's and I, it's one of my favorite quick, yeah, it's one of like those quick moments that I absolutely love. I love it. Uh, I love that moment for him. I, I love that, it, that play where... We're led to believe, like the whole the whole idea is exactly what you said. That they're worried about these things about their personality and how people see them and how they see themselves. And then all of a sudden, you hit the end of the play where it's like the Fire Lord murders everybody and everyone and everyone yeah. in the audience cheers. And you're like, oh, that's right. That y'all's feelings don't fucking matter at all. There is a massive war yeah. going on, and Aang has to murder the Fire Lord soon. Well, that's the crazy thing about it is like that is the realization you're left with at the end of the episode. And they do a very good job. But I cannot help. But when I watch the Ember Island players, I cannot help but think what an ineffective propaganda play this would be. <laughs> because it's, it is the worst premise to like 
if you want someone to be seen as a villain, the rule of thumb is that you do not follow their life story. No, and you don't play like, them as a silly doofus. Like, no, you play them as like, a villain. Yeah. You don't go through their life story. Whoever you want to be the hero, that's who you learn all about. Like, I think it works as a... Pro- I, 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 I'm going to disagree. I think it works as a propaganda piece because it's clearly a comedy and it's supposed to be satirizing how ridiculous these people are. And they they do do a good job of sort of like the, the same sort of dialogue America has about North Korea. Like, they're so strong. They have nuclear. Uh, they have a nuclear capability that's omnipresent. But at the same time, they're North Korea. It's like not gonna happen. They're. Them. This is one of the points Umberto Eco in his 14 points of fascism talks about. The the enemy is all like at the same time omnipresent and a huge threat and absolutely like a. a, a like an emasculated force that couldn't possibly hurt us. And we see that a lot here in the Ember Island players that I think works really well. Cause they talk about like Toph has the superpower. I can, I am blind, but I can see, but they, they make it into the joke of like, she lets out a sonic screech or whatever. Mm-hmm. So like simultaneously incredibly powerful, but at the same time, utterly not a threat. So that same sort of tension is held through the satire, like the bad satire that any fascist regime could ever make. Cause the right wing is terrible at comedy. Uh, um, yeah, I would, I would have been with you, Emily. But that, that is a, that's pretty, that's pretty that's, good, pretty good argument. It is good, but I think it would have been like they would have spent the whole play being totally roasted instead of like partially roasted, right. and then they wouldn't have gone through all of their antics and adventures. They would have just been like, look what bumbling idiots What's, these are. That's why I mentioned Which, the the ending because I think it was for the, the creators of this show is more important to trick us than it was to, to do real propaganda, right? Then trick yeah, right, then trick the I, fake audience and the yeah. Ember Island it, players. It like, makes yeah. us not think about like the actual stakes until we get there. And then it, it, it gives a lot more gravity to the last scene in the play yeah, because that juxtaposition. Of what it actually means. Right. Yeah, and it was a bait and switch because it's supposed to be this funny episode where everyone's like, oh, my feelings are a little hurt because he's not making nearly enough as many jokes as I normally make and they're all about food. And then it's like, oh, I'm going to die. Like, I'm going to be burned into ash tomorrow. And then he's going to murder everybody I know and love across the Mm -hmm. entire world. So the episode ends with a weird ohm sound when they all go back and they're all insecure and they're trying to sleep for the next day uh, where Sozin's Comet's going to come. And Aang is called by this ohm sound and he walks into the beach and he walks onto an island and disappears, which is what we're left for, for the mother fucking finale. Four parts. So I'm a little bit confused about the timing. Because he he disappears after they have so there. When does the the beach part happen? When they're trying to have fun on the beach, and Zuko is the only one who doesn't know that they've decided to. It's the beginning of the episode. Okay, so does then he doesn't disappear no. into the water at the end of the last episode. No, at the end of Ember. So uh, the beginning of the episode is they're training and everything. Like, hey, we should probably relax. You know, like you know, probably not gonna fight. Like, how bad could Sozin's comment really be? I mean, it can't get much worse. The Fire Nation won the war, and that's when Zuko lays the stakes. Like, you guys don't understand what his plan is. Like, I was there, and the Fire Lord is going to literally obliterate, like, the population that's not Fire Nation on this planet with the power of Sozin's comet and their newly industrialized force. And then we go into the Ember Island Players show, 
which again like baits and switches us to like oh well it's still kind of funny and then we're re-reminded of that that like existential threat at the end and then at the very end ang is drawn into the water and that's how we end the episode really i don't think that's i don't think that's true either because i'm pretty sure chapter 18 so's in this comment part one the phoenix king they're hanging out on the beach. Everything's fine. Zuko's mad at them oh, for playing right. around. Oh, you're right. You're right. You're you're right. You're yeah, right. Yeah. So then that's when they tell him their plan is to do it after. He's like, no, he's gonna burn down the whole world. They're like, oh shit, let's train. They start training Aang to murder the Fire Lord, and he's like, I don't think I want to murder him. Mm-hmm. They have arguments about that. That night they go to sleep. At the end of that episode, chapter. You're, you're right. It's confusing when is it? because it's a four part finale where i believe at least the first two parts don't actually feel like part of a multi-part episode they just feel like previous episodes so when is it that um ang and i know it's at the end of an episode when i believe it's at the end of ember island players but i'm not sure where zuko and ang have a conversation and then ang talks about being non-violent and never having to kill anyone and zuko goes then i have a question for you what are you going to do about my dad? I think, I that's, think that's just before they go to bed. I think that's I the think, end of the Ember Island I think Island that players. is the end of Ember Island. Yeah, because like in, in the all the descriptions of the first episode of the four parts, it's like the main focus is that Aang is like, I can't kill him. Like, I'm not going to kill anybody. Yeah. Even though you've already killed like hundreds of people in this motherfucking show, my dude. They're- and also led to the death of everyone so that has died so far yeah. by disappearing and, right. and like so. hundreds of people are dying while you are like putzing around yeah that one's a little tougher mm-hmm. to, to call directly responsible for that but <laughs> <laughs> no he's not directly but he whole, he carries that guilt with him for sure for sure um there, something very as our as a resident cora expert uh, something interesting that happens i believe it's towards the end of ember island at blair's um when he's talking when uh ang is talking to katara and he says like oh i like you I thought something was going to happen and then it didn't. Um, and she's like, I can't talk. I believe it's the end of Ember Island Player. She's like, I can't talk about this. You know, I'm confused, etc." And then he tries to kiss her. There's a lot going on right now. Yeah. And <laughs> she's like, I just told you I was confused. Like that was not an appropriate time to try to kiss me. Uh, way later in the future, uh, Cora, she's talking to another character and they have a similar situation where he's dating someone else at the time. And then he's like, I'm confused. And then she tries to kiss him. And like the, the setup for it is almost exactly the same, like the staging. That's cool. And, then, and he's cool. like, don't do like, don't. I just told you, you know, uh, which I thought was interesting that like because it is the same person who's mm-hmm. done that across timelines, you know, that across time across generations. It's like right? the one bad trait that keeps getting past to the avatar, just like jumping the gun in their romantic relationships. But but. I'm, but yes, now, like, no, what did you, didn't listen to anything I said. You were watching my mouth instead of listening to my words, you motherfucker. I think the Avatar's always been kind of a hound, dude, because Roku, you know, he was like, <laughs> yes, dude. I'm going to use Yeah, he's Avatar, got that line yeah. like, uh, hey, it doesn't hurt if you're the Avatar, if you know what I mean. <laughs> and uh, the, the waterbender that comes before Aang, his whole oh thing God. was being in love with that lady. Our whole thing was like, that we were joking through the whole thing that he was like the chill avatar sure. that like nothing really bad happened in his lifetime and he was just like chilling well, the the stoner avatar. yeah that was the only that's the whole but even he says during the 
the lion turtle episode that's the, we're about to talk about he's like i was more of a laid back avatar and then uh go with the flow i was avatar. a go with the flow yeah. kind of chill ass motherfucker and then uh co decided to steal my girlfriend's face so that's fun yeah and uh, i should have been more proactive <laughs> I probably should have done something instead of sit around and smoke weed so in my parents' dad. Yeah. Being a fucking <laughs> exactly. surfer, dude. Uh, I went to college and then didn't really want to do this job that I've been training for. So, like, fuck it. I'm just going to go, like, Didn't want to take over the surfing. Like, I, he invents surfing, like, apparently. Isn't that enough? Oh, I just made that up. I just saw him surfing. That's my head can, I too. I assume he invented, invented surfing. surfing. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah. you know, I'm looking back through them, and I think the only avatars that weren't total hounds were the female avatars. I think they fully focused on the job at hand, and all the male avatars got know. distracted by fucking around. Except I'm Korra, pretty dude. sure Korra that Kyoshi is. Cora was also a hound. I'm pretty direct. sure Kyoshi's like a butch icon. So like, that doesn't yeah, mean she's a hound, though. I don't think like, she was like you know I like know. always I see like scheming after other people. I think people came to her, and she was like, yep, oh, yeah. line up, <laughs> just said oh, yeah. yes. Kiyoshi's whole game was just saying yes. Like, <laughs> she was like, oh, I, we're both in this dark corner. Meh. I mean, but she is what an avatar, is though. What is happening? <laughs> you know? What is this what? chemistry? Mm. You feeling this, too? You know? Oh, man, she, like, waves herself off of the fan. Is it getting hot yeah, in here, or is it all, just me? All the other avatar, like, all the male avatars and Korra are just like, you you date me? You you date me now? Please, you please, please me. give give me kiss. I want please. kiss. I'm just a one we so, werewolf looking for love. <laughs> so let's roll it into the the next. So, uh, so that, at the end of the first part, that's when Aang goes off onto this island, and they all wake up the next morning at the beginning of. So sorry, real fast. The <laughs> the drama in that episode is is very good, just like the every previous episode before. I won't go into details. But I would be I would be kicking myself if I did not mention the Melon Lord. They they set up training for Aang oh, yeah. in which Toph plays the Melon Lord and refuses to play more safely for everybody and is sh- shooting flaming boulders at them and is pretending to be the Melon Lord. I just I, I needed to say it. I needed that to come up. Yeah, That's the it. Melon Lord is like, um, hey, we've got a melon here because we don't have the Fire Lord. Um, Toph, can you play the part of the Melon Lord? Like, oh boy, can I play the she part of like, the Melon Lord? Yes. And someone goes like, Top, watch out. You almost hit me with that one. There is no Top. There is only Melon Lord. <laughs> <laughs> so I love that. Chapter 19, Slozen's Comet, Part 2, The Old Masters, which is so very similar episode. to the Firebending uh, Masters. But what? This, but it's the old people, this is the, the white, white lotus. lotus. Yeah. But, which so, is so rad. Yeah. It uh, the main thrust of this episode is they're trying to find Aang because they wake up the next morning like where the fuck's the Avatar? Did you see him? Did you see him? All of his stuff is here. Like kind of this is his moment. Not a great time for him to be off. Um, so they try to find him. They go find June again, who's the one who has the sheer shoe. We remember from like the earlier season one or season two. Uh, it's the smelly mole beast monster with the poisonous tongue. And they, Zuka goes like, I've got someone who can find her. They go find her in a skeevy Earth Kingdom bar. They try to find her. The sheer shoe, like, ah, kind of gives up. I do up. love how in these last episodes, they managed to go everywhere faster than they've managed to get anywhere ever before. Ever before. 
It's just like, oh, they yeah, got we fast can, travel. We can travel to fucking Bossing City oh, right now. It's only two days away. I've been and there it's like, once. wait a minute. I it took you it. months to get there. It took you months it, last time. So if it took you, you eight hours. But if you pay attention during those early episodes, it's not that they can't get there that fast. It's that Aang keeps wanting to go fuck around and do other things. They keep getting distracted by other You see the map. Yeah. yeah, yeah you see a map is... at one point, and they're zigzagging across the world up to by, the North yeah, Pole. By the time they've made it to the North Pole, they already crossed the world, like, many times. They've been... They fuck around hard throughout the series. Yeah. Meanwhile, uh, fucking every... Like, all the other people, like, um, Suki, have not been taking breaks or fucking around. They've just been helping Flash people the, the entire time. Slash, like, the adults. Like, like oh, I'm Jesus. Hakoda's just been off at <laughs> sea for literal for years. Can, can you imagine if they... fighting battles at sea. If they're like, yes, I know, we were, but we think it's important. We were very stressed that, you know, I think it was important that we took a break. Took a break? I've been at war for decades. Like, what are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> you took a break My for grandfather's died in this same war. What the fuck? Take a break. <laughs> that's, a, that's a very good yeah. point. You've been asleep yeah. for 100 years. You took a 100-year break like the rest of us didn't. So, like, top, top, buddy. Let's go. So, Dude, during the Old I'm... Masters, is that when we're still seeing Aang on the island that he wakes up on? Yeah, we'll get to the Aang subplot really quick. Um, but we, after they can't find Aang with the sheer shoes, Zuko has an idea like, all right, there's one other person who can help us here if the Avatar can't. And he randomly picks up the old sandal that he's kept of Iroh's and Sokka brings attention to this. Like, you kept your uncle's dirty ass sandal and Zuko has no response like they just glaze past it but I'm so happy that they bring it up in the script I'm like, pretty sure Toph says it's sweet oh yeah Toph says like oh it's sweet and they skip it and they find where Iroh is after he broke out of prison and Iroh has called the Order of the White Lotus where we finally get the payoff for all the little White Lotus um, hints like the PN Dao has the White Lotus. He gives Sokka the White Lotus tile. We see the White Lotus guy when um, Iroh and Zuko are in the desert. And we find out that the Order of the White Lotus are this rebellious group of masters of art who believe that like art and knowledge and wisdom transcends the boundaries of all of the nations. And now is their time to finally like take their part in the war and kind of fix things that are happening like to do their part and really take advantage of the sos and comets moment and like re their big motion right now is to reclaim bossing say it's the oldest goodest guys in the world oldest goodest guys um so no we women, end this though. episode no women though. oh shit there no are women. no women nope. um well <laughs> oh well <laughs> shit not great oh not well. great yeah uh not great but they find it, and there's this really powerful moment. This is the first time Zuko and Iroh are back together, where Zuko goes, like, where is he? And one of the old masters points to his tent, oh, and he comes in, so like, Uncle, I have to apologize to you. I And Iroh's asleep, so he waits until he wakes up, and when he does, Zuko tries to start his apology again, and Iroh just embraces him. Like, like it doesn't, you don't have to say anything. You've Cried been like forgiven. a fucking baby, dude. Oh, my yeah. God, so good. Well, he also says, like, how could you forget? Like, they say it, too. He's like, how could you forgive me after all that I did? He was like, it's not what you did. It's that you got here by yourself. 
and yeah. that like all the things I set up for you, you did this by yourself and you made the jump and you're a good man. It's Zuko's arc like, in a line, <laughs> in one line. Yeah, it's Zuko's I feel arc. like you're saying a bunch of things that you extracted from. I, I don't if you could find the line, like he says one thing and you're just like, oh, no, he says strong. it's that it's it's that you got here by yourself. You have uh, like because he goes, how could you forgive me? And he, I forget what he actually says. You're right that I'm, I don't have it verbatim, but he says something along the lines of uh, that you did this by yourself, and that was the hardest thing to do. I, I, that's a, I, I think he says something you. very succinct that means many, many. I'm not, I'm not saying wrong well, about you know, the, uh, the, you're wrong about the meaning. He's an old wise man. I can't just yeah. like he you speaks know, in cryptic metaphors. Fuck it, he, he yeah. does <laughs> it very well, and I can't reproduce it. <laughs> he crushes it, and it is, it is very he difficult to it. stay strong during that scene. And I, I cry like almost every time, every time. Hundred percent, hundred percent. On the B side of this episode, yes. which I, I consider get... it the B side for the most part because it is Aang running around the island. I don't, I'm not super interested in why yeah. he's on that island. I don't find it to be a fascinating mystery. No, I just, I no, found myself like he... being like, "Can you fucking get to it? Like, like let's we're in go, the dude." Series finale. Exactly. Like, Do not care. this is like, this is like two of four, dude. Like two of four, like last parts. Like, let's get it. Let's get to it. But as so when he he does sit down and he's like seeking advice and he starts speaking to the spirits of all the previous avatars. And I said in the past that Avatar Kiyoshi. Avatar fucking Kiyoshi. Protesters currently say I would say that she basically says no justice, no peace, which is a current very active and prominent slogan uh, chant. And I always think that, like, you know, I must be, like, exaggerating, like, how close she is. But the line is literally, I offer you this wisdom, Aang. Only justice will bring peace. Like, that is yeah. so close to no justice, no so peace. So good. So good. Yeah. So good. And Avatar Kyoshi is, like, so everyone is down for it, right? Like, Roku's, like, you have to, I understand, but you got to do what's got to be done, boy. Like, I get it, but, like. You got to fix my mistakes. Some things need doing and I drop the ball and you need to pick it up. And Avatar Kyoshi comes in like murder is okay. (laughs) Straight up. No, she's she's like, like, she's like, listen, I had to fucking kill people to get things done and I did it and it's, I'm fine. Like I'm good. And you know what? Like you're going to be fucking good too. So just like pull up your pants and get over it. And it's, well, he also tries to argue the opposite side. Yeah. Sorry, honey. I'll let you. Yeah, but um, he tries to argue the opposite side. Be like, well, you didn't kill that dictator. And she goes, oh, I would have. I no, was no. going to what kill she him. Says, what she says, uh, what uh, he says, like, well, he did. He actually fell to his own death. And she says, I don't see the difference. <laughs> like, just clearly like, no, no, no. I, I knew in my in my soul, I killed him and I'm fine with it. It's a, I mean, it's um, a different. But to catch us up to where we are really quickly, at, when Aang realizes, the, where Aang realizes that he's on the lion turtle, he starts calling on his past avatars and goes in order backwards, starting with Avatar Roku, Kiyoshi that we just talked about, Avatar Korok, who is the surfer, bong smoking, like, sup, bro? I should have been more proactive, bro. That was pretty lame of me, chop. Because he's literally and like, yeah, I probably should have murdered people. That probably would have been better. <laughs> And then uh, my one of my favorite bits of wisdom that we get in this entire show comes from Avatar Yang Chen, uh, who is the previous airbender avatar. And she says, you know, like, Avatar, I understand your spiritual conflict. Like, yeah, you know, I I never tried to harm anything. I'm a vegetarian. Like, this is what the monks taught me. 
And like the monks taught me if I detached myself from the world, I could find enlightenment. And she goes, that's great. But the avatar's sole duty is to the world. You have to sacrifice your spiritual needs for the greater good. And it's like you, you like you have to be the bodhisattva sort of moment. I was gonna, uh, and it's really cool. I was going to mention it is actually still falls in line with Buddhism and with uh, because of the bodhisattva who are willing to put off their own enlightenment in order to make ensure that every other being in the universe will achieve enlightenment first and then they will allow themselves to, to pass on. So, yeah, very cool. That's pretty fucking rad. I mean, and it is a cool point being like. There is a selfishness in complete selflessness. Yes. Like, it's like, oh, okay, there is something selfish in saying that I am completely enlightened and detached. And it's like, cool, but the rest of us are still kind of That's privilege, here. dude. So that's like, like, that's like completely maybe, an act of privilege is being like, like maybe I'm get your hands dirty a little. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> maybe kind of dig with us here. You know? Yeah, like a, a Christian kind equivalent of, is like, I'm willing to let everybody else go to hell if I get to go to heaven. Like, it doesn't make any. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's, and, and the, it's, the piece of wisdom that they have there is something that, like, after I watched I watched this show long time ago, you know, but even after several years of like studying several different Buddhist things and like practicing a lot of Zen Buddhism myself, that is still something I I land with. And I think so like a very strong piece of wisdom, I think, is is that kind of like to not only care about your own needs, whether they be spiritual or physical or anything else like to to that level. You know, there is no like one philosophy that get that allows you to stop caring about other people in the way that you should. In the words of Bo Burnham, there are other people, you fucking asshole. And in the, in the, in the, yeah, that was all I had. I thought I had another quote lined up. I don't, I don't, I thought I had one on the, in the chamber. No, I'm shooting blanks. But after this, we start with the final two episodes of the finale, which really feel like the finale. Yes. I I agree that it's not actually the finale into these two real fast. Also, I think. Avatar Kiyoshi and Avatar, whoever the previous Airbender is, she doesn't get a name, right? Uh, no, I was wrong in our first episode. Um, no, no, because what I said is that she canonically has a name. I thought that they didn't say it, but they do introduce themselves. Like, I, I am Avatar so. Kurok, uh, and I am Avatar Yang Chen. Yang Chen, yeah. They seem different, right? They seem like they could be part of the same spirit line, but they seem like on a different one than all the other Avatars that we've seen. Yeah, like what happened with Kyoshi? Like what? What? Like don't be wrong. Like you did some good stuff, but you you changed something like, here. Kyoshi and you said Yang Chen. Yeah, they they both didn't give a fuck, dude. They were like, nope, we actually got to do what's right, and we're not as important as like doing the correct thing. I I know what was different. <laughs> they were men. They were women. <laughs> they were women. Uh, sorry, was sorry. The other ones, the other ones were men. And yeah. you know, well, yeah. The, fucking around like roku just wanted to get his pretty wife who didn't notice him until after he became the avatar and the other guy was just fucking inventing surfing surfing and having his wife's face stolen and the ladies were like sorry we gotta have to sacrifice <laughs> to be fair Aang's, greater good ang's <laughs> fucking uh, uh inner conflict is like is it all right to take a life if i'm supposed to be the embodiment 
of like the harmony of the life on this planet. Yeah, like, but he kind of like, took like 112 years to do it. So like, yeah. just saying, <laughs> like, he probably could have yeah. like he, maybe meditated on that when he was in a hundred year coma or whatever. Like, and he he, he got also, a bailout. He should have killed the fire. He Lord. gave. Yeah. He gave up the ability to voluntarily go into the Avatar state for the chance, even though it was just a shadow chance, <laughs> of getting his dick wet eventually. Yeah. Like, he was like, you but I well, have dude, a crush Like, you're not even girl. old enough to bang yet. Like, you yeah, can't risk everything. oldest time. Learn to go into the Avatar yeah. state instead of thirsting after this girl and he who's did not it willingly, interested in you. And it was I'm like, imagining. you know that, like, I can tell you for a fact, and if you do this right told. now, it won't work. And he was like, you know what? In the battle of like dick versus heart versus brain, <laughs> dick wins, I guess. Sorry. I'm imagining if I were to score this, it'd be like, tail as old as, uh, what is it like? Um, tail as old as time, tail as old as time, fuck the avatar state, you know, just like for the opportunity. And see, the, the only reason I didn't jump to, to female stuff is because I'm thinking about Legend of Korra, but that's not really, I, I mean, it is canon, but that's not, that's not wasn't invented when this show was going on, mm-hmm. I feel like. So really, an original OC canon, it's fucking that, yes, like, women are not corrupted by testosterone and can actually focus on on the task at hand, which is helping people. For like, even there's a, a job to do, second. give it to women. You know? Well, and that's, like, the most powerful benders you see besides beside Aang are Katara and Toph. Right. You know, you see these, and, and Azula. And Azula. Yeah. You know, that's true. Well, you're absolutely right. The only person I would say enters into that is Fire Lord Ozai, just because he's like given that final fight. But you're absolutely right, except for that one outlier. You're entirely right. Yeah, most powerful benders are women in this show. Let's, I'm thinking of, I, and that's like nat- natural young raw talent because you have Ozai who's become a master. You have Iroh who's become a master. You have all these very powerful benders, and you have Boomy, but he's 113 years old. You know, so you have all these really powerful benders, but they've had time. And then there's like 20 year old women, women who are like, <laughs> fuck who are you. Babbies just like, fuck you. And even Cora, when she comes into the scene, she has all four elements immediately. Like she's like, boom, 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 water, not, air, earth, like fire. The first I episode. Got not it. air. Not air. Oh, That's not air. Sorry. Water, do. earth, fire. Um, she's like, boom, boom, boom. I will just, say, I, what you got? I'd, I'd be willing to suspect that in raw power alone, that Azula is probably more powerful than Ozai. I think she's held probably. back by her mental health issues. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, because she, like, like Taylor talked about, she's the one that can do blue fire, right? And Ozai she's got the never blue fire, demonstrates yeah. blue fire. Uh, yeah. So uh, that, so that chapter twenty. Sozin's Comet Part 3 Into the Inferno is cool title. Part 3 and Part 4 are they just the the Ozai the fight? Fights, I'm pretty sure. It's the Ozai fight. 3 and fight 4 and the, the full fight. Ozai fight. Hmm? It's the Ozai fight in the Azula fight. So I'm sure, I don't even know where yeah, they and No, no, no. There's one other plot. There's the reclaiming a bossing set. Yeah. yeah. Those are all like yeah. Which like, like who cares at that point? I, I don't know. The only cool thing about the reclaiming of Bossing Say is Iroh just going, breathing in and out, and the oh, yeah. flames yeah. are moving with stories his tall. Just stories tall flames. Like n- only once in a hundred years can a firebender feel this power, and he just with his nose, his fucking nose, he's like doing. <laughs> 
this incredible i don't know as a singer i'm just like yes the power from the breath let's do this you know <laughs> i don't got that shit i smoke too much weed i would say, <laughs> I would say i mean what? uncle iroh probably also more powerful than ozai and i think almost yeah. for sure yeah. because of his separation from so much toxic masculinity that everybody else is suffering from yeah for sure. Yeah. Always the ones so let's go down. through. Like, no, that's why it's interesting um, that just so we... is so powerful because like she doesn't, she definitely uses the full like, oh, my rage and my hatred is where I get all of my power. But she still like manages to be like the most powerful person. Well, yeah, like imagine her, like, Zuko cold... with no conflict. Like, no, no, no. I don't have this like good side that I need to deal with. I have the fullest extent of like militarized um, like I am the epitome of the militarized version of fire. And I guess she's like, I have only nothing really but like, malice. She's only really um, like that emotional at the end when she's like broken because like yeah. even bef- even though she's like harnessing rage and like hatred before, she's still doing it in a way that's like no, I'm completely calm and collected and like I can do whatever I want right now because I like have she's it under like control. A- She's a cold and calculated, mm-hmm. so I wouldn't go so far as to put her on any sort of, you know, scale. Like, we know she's some sort of, I don't know, they call her unhinged savant. and crazy oh, and whatever. Crazy. <laughs> she's also a savant, right? So she's, you know, but it's that cold, calculating detachment, and that's what you see the whole time, even in, uh, not the Ember Island, the other Ember Island episode. The beach. At the beach mm-hmm. with the other Fire Nation teens, you see her completely detached from her emotions. Yeah. And even when she pretends to be a little bit more connected with them, she is really just manipulating, right? She's like, okay, it's normal for teenagers my age to behave this way, so I'm going to act like that even though I don't feel it. And when everyone's sharing their emotions, she was like, yeah, I mean, my mom didn't like me, but I don't. I don't give a shit. I don't give a shit. Yeah. Like, well, I mean, I, I, I don't feel I it. think everybody mental health wise is, is being cartoon characters and not like representing any, re- yeah. any, anything real. Uh, but with, with her, which is why I wouldn't yeah. be like sociopath or yeah. something. It's like, no, that's not real. You but know, when we look at it within universe, right. It's like, if we look at their, their ancestry and the fact that they have the mix of both Sozin and Roku, it's Zuko ended up with a lot more Roku. Right. And like, has that conflict but clearly is good inside and i feel like azula is bad but has enough roku to care that she is bad whereas yeah like enough a good way enough to, to unhinge her about it mm-hmm. but not enough to mm-hmm. to ever like change her personality uh whereas yeah uh, ozai does not care he is like he's fully on board because it comes from the mother's side right so he doesn't have any of that roku holding him back he's like i'm a hundred percent okay with being full evil that I'm not unhinged, I'm totally comfortable. So I just want to quickly like blast through the plot of these last two episodes so that we can start talking about yeah. more scenes yeah. and kind of ground us to where we are. So all these two, these last two episodes, I think we should talk about together because um, they they are like a really seamless no two. And the last four episodes were shown together as a movie um, when it was yeah. originally aired. <clears throat> so they Aang comes back. He's waiting for Ozai. Um, the old masters are trying to take Ba Sing Se. S- uh, Sozin, not Sozin. Um, Ozai. Ozai says, like, I'm no longer satisfied with being the Fire Lord. I'm going to be the supreme ruler of the Earth and claim myself as the Phoenix King. And his phrasing is, I'm going to re- 
build the world. Uh, like I'm gonna the the world will be reborn in fire, meaning he's going to obliterate the entire planet and rebuild it in his image. Sorry, how do we feel um, about Phoenix King? I thought it was cool, but I think Shannon was saying that she didn't think it was cool. I think it's really corny. Same. That's Taylor? gonna be a hard same. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, it it fits really well with what he wants to do. Like he do wants you to think rebuild it is the world cool from the or ashes. It is corny. Stop no, trying to it, politic around dude, it. It could be both. It it's well and cool. It fits well. It, in those the two sense, are not opposites for me. It fits well in the sense that he's like, you know what? I came up with what I wanted to be called first, and then I kind of fit the whole plan around the the <laughs> thing that I wanted to be called. So it turns out, guys, just gonna burn everything to the ground. The only way that I can call myself the Phoenix King. I don't know That's what fair. to tell you. I'm so Already sorry. Already made these t-shirts. Sorry, <laughs> I got, guys. I got to burn it. I got to burn it to the ground. I'm, I'm sorry, the roll, guys. The rollout's yeah. happening. It's, We've got the brand already. It's that same nerdy KKK shit where it's like, I'm going to be a grand wizard. And it's like, <laughs> okay. Yes. I mean, we yes. see you. Yeah. Like, you're, gross. I think, you know, you know, I think you're right. Because I also think calling people dragons is cool. I yeah. like dragons. I don't know what to tell you. I'm sorry. I like dragons. But, yeah, uh, you know, probably, you know what right. seems it cool is. too is wizards, but you, but you know, and then it's not cool. When you put anymore. it in a fascist yeah. context, yeah, and, it, it gets and if really you dumb. like wizards, it either means you're a clansman or you're a transphobe. So you know, what is the transphobe wizard? J.K. Rowling. Oh, J.K. Rowling is, is transphobic. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the community has decided to say that uh, Hermione wrote. <laughs> The Harry Potter books <laughs> as a way to hold on to the books and did she get around the, the, oh, well that's whatever yeah. it's like everything she's ever tweeted and whatever it's like it ends the books and cursed child never happened Dude. and and then Ooh. Pottermore just it's, doesn't exist it's, that like, last period yeah. is the last thing JK Rowling ever wrote it's so beautiful <laughs> the, the trans seven. community has been like you know what instead of even accepting what was written we're just gonna keep changing it however we want it to be and we're just going to say, like, some of these characters are trans. And we're just going to say, like, some of these characters are queer. And you know what? You can just suck a big old dick. Like, I don't know what to tell yep. you, J.K. Rowling. Sorry. I have so much I could talk about this that y'all need to do a different amp- yeah. episode with yep, like, me sure, and Shannon. Sure. And we'll talk about it. I'm because, down. Like, We'd love to. I will oh, talk we can about do a, a Harry Potter, what are they called? Harry like, Potter like, part three. Okay, no, it's not called. I know what it's called. It's called a backdoor pilot. But tell me why all I could think was a pocket pilot. It's like, yeah, just <laughs> let, let me and Emily do a pocket pilot for our podcast <laughs> pocket pilot so the um a lot of the last two episodes are fighting which is hard to talk about like it's really cool and everything I have lots of uh, the ozai fight okay. oh then yeah lay it on Go us it. oh you're you were you were gonna skip all the way back uh no, no, no! I was gonna, I was gonna like introduce, like talking about the fighting, but set, no, set it. Go set, ahead, set, yeah, you jump the gun no, there. Set it up, and I will, I will, I will hop in as a. So we have the the parallel two fights that are happening: the old masters retaking Bossing say, uh, and we have Aang and Ozai fighting, and at the same time, the parallel is happening with Toph, Sokka, and Suki like fighting all the blimps, um, the 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 other brigade that are like burning down the the Earth Kingdom. Oh, I love that. So those three are the fight. parallel fights that are happening, and that's the structure of the last Perfect. two episodes. Does anybody have anything Fucking... they want to say about the taking of Bossing Say? No. It's rad. It's cool, it's cool enough. It's just we like old people. It's, yeah, they're great. It's yeah. it's just the bottom of. I have. So, I, it's the. I have it's, bigger fish. To it's fry the least here. important yeah. of the three. Yeah. Yeah. My honestly, my top fight 
is uh, Azula Zuko. Yeah, so let's. Oh, all right, sorry, so that's put the fourth. Those are the four yeah, fights yeah. happening. So let's put the, you're I'm, right, I'm going to say right. let's put let's put Zuko and Azula off for a second. Let's put Aang and Ozai off for a second, and let's 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 do Toph, Sokka, Suki versus the entire Fire Nation okay. army. I'm going to say I'm going to say this about this fight because it's fucking rad as shit. Mm-hmm. But the only part that is important to me is when they get separated and all seems lost. And they're like, what is our salvation? Because like literally Sokka is injured and holding Toph up from the airship and he threw Boomerang and nothing happens. And she's like, did Boomerang come back? He goes, no, it's Suki. It's Suki! She's fucking windsurfing on one of these blimps. And I'm just saying, not a dry seat in the audience. <laughs> like, it's like, not a dry fucking seat. Because Agreed. Suki riding in like a fucking goddess to save both their dumb asses. Because Toph and Sokka is not exactly like a brain trust situation. Nope. You know, like they need a Suki to kind of like keep everyone to on track. To be fair, 100% on your point. <laughs> The hundred and first percent that disagrees is Sokka has the brilliant idea of how do we take over this first airship? I'm like, we have a very special birthday. Everyone meet in the cargo bay, <laughs> and the entire crew goes down. Like, fuck it, I love cake. I would, I would call that him betting that they don't have like they're on equal brain cell levels. <laughs> like, I wouldn't say that's these like are my a people. I know how they were. Idea, work. I would say like this is a bullshit jock idea, and these bullshit jocks will follow. <laughs> like, hey, but it worked. It did work, and it was very funny. So uh, we see some dope-ass metal bending where Toph, for the first time, like does her earth armor, but entirely in metal, so that when the firebenders like, blast her, it just is, you know, it just the metal gets hot around her, and then she's shooting it off of her immediately. They take over the first one. They do the airship slice, where they wield their airship around and slice over the top of all of the other airships, taking most of them out immediately. They land on the last one, and then the only other one that isn't there is the one that Suki amazingly comes back in at the last moment. I, just, I do I like, sorry, just want to mention real fast that also Toph would be doing a lot more during this fight, except that she's severely limited by the fact that she can only see what's on the airship that she's currently on. And a few times has Agreed. to mention, like, I cannot see what's going on out there. I can't jump to the next one. You have to take me. Yeah, which is also actually, so I'm all about in these last ones, like the most important thing to me is character development. So if you think about it with Toph, what was her whole thing from the very beginning, right? She was not willing to trust anyone. I'm in this for myself. She was not willing to admit any of her weakness. Yeah. Exactly. Whereas in this, she is perfectly willing to go into a battle where she is completely, literally ungrounded. Because she trusts Sokka and Suki so much. And that is a massive character development for her is learning to trust other people and be part of a team as opposed to just being her herself, who is awesome and practically unbeatable on the ground. But she realizes that her place is up here as part of the team, even if she is severely limited in this sense. That's a great point. I think it's because Sokka... That was on the fly, Sokka, too. Sokka's Bam. managed to, to, to earn his place by willing to be submissive and learn from his mistakes and admit when he's wrong, you know? What, like, yeah. I just... Yeah. I so appreciate, like, Sokka's complete, uh, like, rejection of toxic masculinity because he's yeah. like, I know when to cower and I know when to be silly and also I know when to be, like, very fucking brave and, like... 
he manages to be very fucking brave in everything he does while still being like a kooky like goofball and if anything else were like bisexual dating material dude like <laughs> that's that's where it's at dude so- Sokka and Suki together oh, yeah. and being in an open relationship Ooh. which they are by the way uh yeah yeah totally that's <laughs> canon uh, yeah. that's that's the dream dude that's that's beautiful. Some triad uh, material right there, my oh dude. Yeah. Uh, Fuck yeah. I think it's all. I also love the that bifecta. It's, it's learned and earned on Sokka's part because he starts out having been taught toxic masculinity mm-hmm. and not super yeah. heavily identified. You can tell that he doesn't like really want it, but he he lives it at the beginning of the series, right? Yeah. So we yeah we have this amazing fight. Uh, everyone kind of shows their best stripes, and all of it is to set up the Ang and Ozai fight. I, I don't know about you guys, but I want to talk about the Azula fight last. You want to do that one last? Okay, I let's do, talk let's about do that the one. Azula next. fight first. Okay, so yeah, all of that is I, to set sorry, up the Ozai the, Ang fight. The only thing I wanted um, to say to about t- the the top soccer fight, sorry, was that uh, the uh, a moment of silence for the loss of Space Sword. That shit was sad. Yeah. so yeah, fucking dude. sad. So sad. Yeah. Clearly, never dude, get a space too. sword back. Space sword. Everybody, Goodbye, I, space everything sword. Everything else turns turns out like there's Legend of Korra where we get to find out everybody else had awesome lives afterwards. Everything was good except for in Legend of Korra, they do never show May or Tylee. Tylee. Yeah. A failing. Uh, horrible because they show Zuko still alive. And not May by his side somewhere, or they don't mention her it, or anything. Yeah, is, but they're basically like Sokka's life was he was fine, whatever, but like they just it's very clear Space Sword doesn't come back. You know, like if they wanted to say <laughs> that he got Space Sword back, they could have. Space Sword never makes it back into his arms. Trust me, we would him. have in known the, because the Dark Jorge Horse was comics in the in the Dark Horse comics that bridge uh, Legend of Korra to the end of yeah. Avatar: The Last Airbender. We do learn that May and Zuko do get back together, but it takes three years for them to like come back I didn't together. Know it took th- I, th- I thought because of the they were weren't they near each other at the at the end when they he's getting kiss coronated? at the end. They kiss. Yeah. yeah, maybe they get married after three years. She helps him <laughs> on with his cloak because yeah. he's still fucking injured. Yeah, I thought oh, they were okay. Maybe it's married after three years then. Yeah, so I just, uh, I just but they, they mentioned it somewhere. Sword. Space, the loss of space space sword is felt. Yeah, like and the, you feel that shit. Yeah, beyond that, the action is very cool. Suki's awesome, but yeah, like the emotions are not as high in the in that fight as they are in, for example, Azula, Zuko, Katara. Katara. So awesome. at the uh, camp of the White Lotus, they kind of make their plan. Uh, Zuko asks Iroh, like, "You are the strongest firebender that I know, apart from Ozai. Um, can you?" Can you fight him? We don't know where Aang is. <laughs> and Iroh goes, it's not the right way. History will only see it as another brother usurping for power. And it's not the right way to like come to uh, a peace through this final moment. Um, so that's a very, like, and again, Iroh with that wisdom, like, no, I understand the broader context of what this action would be. I think it would have been dope. Whatever. I think people would have been more happy for the war yeah. to have been over than who ended it, but whatever. Um, so they go off on bossing say, we already talked about that. So the last piece that needs to be taken care of is Azula. So Zuko, his duty is to become the fire Lord and Azula right now is clearly going to be the one who is coronated and they actually get there at the coronation. So Azula, so uh, Zuko takes Katara and they go to fight Azula. And this is like the coronation where she has basically like like 
thrust everyone else away from it because she's been like, you are not like, you do not have the same vision as me. You don't understand what I'm going to do as the leader. Like you guys don't, I don't trust you anymore. Cause she doesn't None understand of you it herself. Trust me. Yeah. And she's going mad. So she's like, I'm just going to fucking coronate myself. Like, I don't even care. Well, she can't. She, yeah. she so deeply can't admit that she's wrong about anything that she's not, she's not willing to accept help or trust anybody else. She's been broken by that, that, that loss of trust with May and Tylee. Um, yeah. So she, yeah, she's like, and she cuts her own bangs, which, as we all beautiful. know, is a sign of deep distress yeah, in, in a person. <laughs> if you beautiful. if you cut your own That's bangs, a sign of depression. If, you, if your friend has shows up one day and they have cut their own bangs, you need to ask if they are okay. All right, that's all I'm saying. And she is not okay. And she shows up with her makeup a fucking mess. She's like heaving. She's standing like akimbo. She, She's being she reminds me weird. of um, the hyenas from Lion King, like where they're just like, yeah. hey, oh, hey, shit. Hey. Yeah. you know, like, Neh. yeah, she's like feral, yeah. like literally feral. And then Zuko being the ever astute boy he is, Dumbass. shows up with, <laughs> with Katara. And the plan is to take her two on one like they're gonna fight her together against azula because she's so powerful right and then zuko's like no i'm gonna agni kai and katara's like yo this was not the fucking point. why am i why? here and he was like no i think i can take her something seems off about her <laughs> might, be the, might be those like, bangs be her makeup looks way, a like, little different today makeup is running down her face she's panting like a feral caged animal and she's got home cut bangs and no one else to around be fair. like yeah i'm about yeah. to lay down 500 days of summer on to this motherfucker fair. pretty sure something's up to with be her fair, i believe there is some implication that the reason that he's doing it is so that nobody else has to get hurt because let's mm-hmm. not forget that azula at any moment can blast out lightning and one shot people She's she's the, and not only that that the comet is overhead. Yeah, she's too. the woman with the golden gut. Like you have, you, like you can't just. It's it's not going in and like all we have to do is win and not get defeated. It's like at any moment we could take one misstep and she kills us and that is it. So yeah. he's I think yeah. he's trying but to keep the, the damage to himself. But the dialogue <laughs> is yes. something seems off about but her. He, he <laughs> I can it, take her. He delivers it with with wisdom as if he knows it's as if he deeply knows that it's like no she's been unseated i can handle it now so they begin their fight and this exact point that you're bringing up jorge comes up again because they're like agni kai one-on-one and then azula's it's a very small moment her eyes just shift over and see katara when she starts striking lightning (laughs) and again only does this because zuko goes tells her yeah so they're fighting he's holding his own like they're just firebending and zuko like an idiot says what no lightning today and she goes i'll fucking show you lightning i totally forgot about that (laughs) i can imagine katara on the side like what, what the do? fuck are you doing? <laughs> what the fuck? You are doing fine. What the fuck? Okay, fuck it. And Azula's eyes shift, and she immediately shoots Katara, who's not in the fight. And so Zuko throws himself, takes the brunt of the lightning, and kind of like half shoots it off. Um, and then the fight is really between Azula and Katara after but, that moment. Well, I will say about Zuko's firebending at this stage before we move on is that this is another one of Taylor's favorite like anti-bending styles. So... Zuko fundamentals in this moment not only showcases his fundamentals from I believe the very first episode or the second episode where he battles Zhao and wins just on fundamentals on keeping his footing yeah 
um, which he does, but he also showcases classic airbending styles combined with his own like personal Zuko style. And that's where you see the cool break dancing, spinning on his back foot style that he does, mm. where he like spins out this crazy fire by doing this break dancing move, which seems to be a combination of airbending and his own personal oh. flair, which I find as another bisexual king to watch after ow! that flair is <laughs> ow, ow! So that's another thing that's 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 really cool. I hadn't thought about cool, that. But it's an airbending type move slash his yeah own. that diversion and taking the other angle yeah. in order to like destable destabilize your opponent. Yeah. Also, like and it's also just him being a teenage heartthrob. Yeah, like what a hot he can break dance fire. I bends. don't think it's like canon or anything, but like Zuko's definitely bisexual, dude. Oh yeah, <laughs> Zuko's oh, yeah. definitely <laughs> bisexual. I think he never gets the chance to explore, but like. He could. I feel like he could get down. You don't have to explore to be Easily. bisexual, baby. No, that's what I'm saying. So I mean, no, I I agree that he is. He's definitely like, he's prime material. So it's um then when the fight becomes between uh, Azula and Katara, you know Katara seems immediately outclassed. She does not have the power of the warhead comet above her. But Katara does the clever southern waterbender thing and, like, traps her. She, uh, like, baits Azula onto the grate, pulls up the water, and freezes them both. And then only um, state changes the water around herself so she can chain up Azula, bring her down, and she's soaking wet. Then, in that moment, Katara uses a firebending move which is to heat the water back up, which we only see with firebenders use with Zuko being able to use his fire breath to keep himself warm. Exactly. So then we see because it requires this cool head and also knowledge of fundamentals that Azula is lacking, right? So she has all of this ability, all of this raw talent. And in the moment where she's frozen is unable to do what Zuko has proven twice now that he can do, which is use his breath to to reheat himself, she cannot do. And in Mm. fact, Katara does it and then melts the water and traps her. It's pretty fucking cool. Look at Emily's mind melters over there. Yeah, (laughs) hell yeah. From the deep state, Emily Downey. MVP over here, fucking loving it. Very sweaty. Yeah, so Azula, (laughs) and then she... um, she, you know, Azula's rolling on the ground, clearly defeated. There's a fun outside of the series moment. Apparently, when the voice actor for Azula is ever on a thing, the only is ever at a like a con or whatever. The only thing people want to do is the one crazy laugh when Azula first comes into the fight, like the <laughs> like that that crazy wonderful laugh. Like, can you do that again? Can you can you do that yeah. one though? That's that's really cool. We want to hear you do that out loud. I mean, and that's an impressive bit yeah. of voice acting. Like, oh yeah, that's really. No, she cool. she could just it's she could just whisper to me. That's okay with me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, please. So finally, we get to the fight with Ozai and pew, Aang. Pew, pew, pew. Like the thing that was always supposed to happen. You know, what's um, Aang waits after being taught to energy bend by the lion turtle, which is revealed later, uh, who gives his little two finger head and heart. Sorry, doodad thing real fast, have you ever, have you ever considered we don't get last names for most people but sometimes yeah, we do like who Toph, Toph uh, has a last name Beifong. Beifong yeah Toph Beifong yeah I don't know 
Maybe uh, if you're important enough, they give, the government gives you a last maybe, name. Maybe you have to be owning class, yeah. Uh, I Yes, I... Sorry, you're, you're... You know who else, sorry. You know who else gets last names? Wang Fire and Sapphire Fire. That's, I mean, it implies that the standard citizen within the Fire Nation has a first and a last name. Just saying. Prince Zuko Buckingham. Mm, don't think... Prince Zuko Wilkingtonshire. <laughs> I see. I think it would make more sense for the royal family to not have last names, right? Because it's supposed to be they're so important that when you use their first name, they're the only ones you could possibly meet. Nobody else should have their Like, nobody else should be named Zuko or Azula or Azulon or Ozai or anything like that in the Fire Nation. It's true. I don't know how other monarchies really worked, but I'm the most familiar with the British monarchy from, like, pre-Reformation onward, and they always had a last name like they were the house tutor the house steward the house now wins well, I'm, I'm just saying like if anybody um, wouldn't have a last name i feel like it should be royal class instead of what you said which is you have to be important enough to get a last name yeah right i don't know we'll see there's a uh, you know we'll, but yeah uh, on the topic four. yeah part I, five I, I, we'll I, do when you're setting up the scene as far as like the western goes i mean i think like i always it, it stays stuck in my mind the way that the fire lord is is standing at the front of all the 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 zeppelins coming down. Oh, you like, mean like that? He's literally on like on the uh, what do they call it? Like the the plank. The nose. The, like the plank. The like you walk the, the plank, Titanic. You know, like the plank photo of the ship. area. Yeah. The of, the bow. What do they call it? Emily. Y'all do boats. I mean, Tell help us. Shipsman. Shipsman. That's a that's a boat. Like this is a fucking blimp. It's an airboat. Like, there's like, I believe it's the. The it's bow. not the bridge because the bridge is where you control it. You don't from. know what the nose of the boat is called. It's okay. I don't it's know. The fucking the genocide deck. Okay, <laughs> like, bow. You know, I was right. Bam. Yeah, the bow is the front of a boat, yeah, but I don't know about a zeppelin. Probably the bow. So he's on the bow yeah. of the airship. Yeah. And he does like okay, so I just right before this, I was like, Do I need to Google like what this episode was all about again? And then like the first thing that came up was like uh, uncut battle scene between Ozai and Aang and I started it and then I was like I don't need this at all like I don't need to see this again I know I know this well enough but the you first see, part like, is the definitely fire him, reflected like, in her eyes she like warming up for the for the first like blasty blast into the forest he definitely does like the the spiritual equivalent of yeah that's that's what it is <laughs> like so he doesn't, he doesn't literally out. go like but he does like, but he's like, all right, huh, huh, like, let's do it. Let's go. <laughs> we got this. Let's burn an entire yeah, planet down. And then down. he's like, Ch-ch-ch-pow! and then he, you know, blasts it all with fire. Which, by the way, he is toxic, toxic masculinity incarnate. That is like his whole deal. I'm yeah. thinking about it now as we've gotten more into that. that he, theme. Because he doesn't have any other. That's the thing. They don't give him any other personality traits. Yeah. It's not like he is like the son of a lord who never gave him enough love. Like it's like no, he was an evil dictator who only ever wanted power and only ever wanted they, to be they, they, power the and stole power. Yeah. They they complicate a couple of characters in the Dark Horse comics. Ozai never. Like no. he is just evil. He is he is toxic and evil incarnate. He is absolutely the dictatorial. Like he is historical Hitler. I like it. Dude, as I've said throughout her oh, entire fan. podcast, I love this final good v evil shit. Like, let the let the good character have the complicated shit. Let the evil person mm-hmm. be full. No, no ifs or buts about it. I have enough complexity in real life. Just let him be 
full Hitler, dude. Full evil, no problem. I'm realizing now this sort of plot structure, the uh, bad v. good, all of them always have the connotation like it is very hard to be purely good. It is very hard to be purely evil. But it is easier to be purely evil than it is to be purely good. Like it it is it always has that sense about it because you see like Ozai can just be evil. But Aang has to be conflicted to come to this like resolving type of good. I think it comes down to like in. I think the reason we have some really cool narrative structures in cartoons, particularly, and, and sometimes things aimed at children, is because they're, it's more okay there to just not do more complicated characters, right? Just go for more pure archetypal situations. Yeah. Um, that's why Great Mouse Detective fucking blows it out of the water, you know? Avatar has one of the most excellent combinations of the two that I've ever seen where we can have these pretty complex characters on one side and then still use these villain archetypes on the other, right? And it's really just Ozai because yeah. everybody else... Ha- even- Everyone else is super complicated. Yeah. Like, I feel like if this show had been able to go on, then even Azula could have had a redemption arc. I See, I don't know about... I don't know I about think, a redemption arc, but, it, she's, but I think, She's like, complicated the whole she's time. She's complicated, A yeah. healing yeah. arc. I mean, she... Definitely yeah. would have kept being interesting. But Ozai, they they like on. they like make a point of being like, no, ultimate villain, ultimately evil, absolutely zero redeeming like characteristics, like not even like one ounce of love for his son, like nothing. No. It, it sends the gravity of the situation through the roof, right? Because it is not it is not just like another character that anything could happen with his decision making process, right? It is it is the actual nightmare. Like you're here for the actual yeah. nightmare of the whole show. Now destroying the world actively in this moment, you have to kill him right now. And that's why I think like this is the only like as a as a children's show, obviously the show is like extremely nuanced and complicated and just does like I think just does a really good job of like explaining like like uh just like genocide and like you know all these terrible things to children and like one of the best ways they do that is by being like no like this guy like we're allowed to kill this guy like even though ang has definitely killed hundreds of people before this the only person that we are explicitly saying he is allowed to kill is the one that we like evaluate on screen and tell you like no there are no redeeming characteristics like he's just bad through and through this is this is a point that brian brought up in our first episode about avatar like one of the questions that he liked the most was uh, one of the three lines that he saw was uh when is it okay to take a life like this whole series takes place in the context of a war and it's very important that they put that question in the forefront in this context because we see, and I'll talk about how they resolve this issue at the last moment of the fight. Because, you know, everyone thinks that he's going to kill the Fire Lord. Like, that's the only option that has to be done. But, yeah, exactly. Like, this, they set it up like, this is the one guy you are allowed yeah. to kill. Like, this, like, dude, trust me. There is a net positive gain that so outweighs the one sin of murdering this dude. So much so It's that irresponsible his, not to. His, his own son is like... Yeah, you need to. And his him. own selves it's, tell him you're okay, buddy. We promise this one is the okay. Ultimate authorities throughout time and all realms have told him you should kill him. Said, that would be the right thing to do. You said realms. Yeah, realm, realms, realms, dude. You can't realm. say realm, 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 realm. It's one syllable. Realm. Bring it back. Realm. Speaking of Mortal Kombat, <laughs> they have a Mortal Kombat. Um, they have 
Uh, so Ozai and Aang, it's a really cool fight. It's incredibly intense. You see the the absolute power of someone who's been like bred to be the greatest firebender on the planet versus the Avatar. And it potentially through one Dragon of the things that impresses me the most. Potentially with Dragon Ancestry. What I love the most is that Incestry. the... <laughs> Ancestry. <laughs> There's that royal bloodline for you. Huh. Man, my first cousin looks good as a firebender. Um, so like it, the the fact that Ozai can hold his own against the motherfucking Avatar, I think really is an important thing here. Um, like I think it's really... It, it, it does. It, it shows you like in metonymy of the fire Lord, the might of the fire nation that it can stand up against like what the planet gives the avatar. And it's a great fight and they drag it out and it doesn't feel like a dragon ball Z where there's, we're going to bring these two characters together. Invisible punch, invisible punch. Everyone's going so fast. Like it's, it's always an incredibly detailed and intricate fight where there's a push and a pull. There's an advantage and a disadvantage, both of which are being taken advantage of and being taken advantage of that disadvantage. Like it's very, very uh, nice. It's a complicated bit of choreography that they really thought I would out say for this last. It fight. is very clear that Aang is generally well well enough matched with Ozai when they're normal fighting. Ozai throws the lightning bolt at him. Aang manages yeah. to redirect it. Ozai like sees that he's like about to die, right? And then he shoots it off, doesn't he? That happens there, right? Yeah, so there's a moment where Ozai shoots the lightning and then Aang uses the technique given to him by Iroh via Zuko and redirects it. And for a moment, you see the decision being made where like it's uh, a screen from the perspective of Aang where you see his hand outstretched pointing it at Ozai and then decides to it, shoot it But you it see off. Ozai's eyes like, oh, I'm like, about yeah. to oh, die. <laughs> like, fuck. Yeah. Uh, yeah, if Aang had redirected it there into Ozai's face, like he would have killed him, but he makes the decision not to do it, and then Ozai briefly gets an upper hand on Aang. Well, we, I mean, we see that. that the only reason that Ozai is able to win the fight when they're at their normal levels is because Aang's unwilling to do anything that is too dangerous mm-hmm. to Ozai's life, right? Uh, yeah. And that's where he goes into yeah. the avid. So already, that's what tells me, like, Ozai, incredibly powerful as a vendor. Not that powerful though right i think azula iroh several other characters could have defeated him ang who is not they call him a master in in like several bending arts but i don't think he's actually a master in anything but airbending at this point he's still able to defeat. i would him, agree you know yeah i would say his second best is still water bending and he's close to a master on that if not a master but still not as like good as way behind guitar and then he's not close he's not close in either of the other like, ones he's even further behind in, in earth but than from Toph. i think there's a difference between like your ability to bend the arts and your ability to combat with the arts because that thing that edge that ozai has is like he has no qualms with taking this this no. boy's life and that like that does give him an edge and it directs like how his bending is used like each shot is intended to be a kill shot Every single yeah, one. And Aang, you know, shows like shows Aang's power absolutely that he is while combating and trying to preserve his life, is also trying to not harm Ozai. But the way that I think the the fight is choreographed is they make it seem very equal, um, until until that like the last couple of moments. Yeah, I do I will say I always forget that this is all happening during Sozin's Comet, where Ozai is also like massively overpowered. Massively but yes. As is Aang in his firebending, but only his firebending. Right. But I will say my biggest pet peeve, which is not 
which is not shared, I know, by Taylor. <laughs> and I'm interested to see yes, what you it. guys think about it. Is that final Adam move? So he heart he yeah. goes into the avatar state because he gets pushed up against a wall and both of his chakras are like punched yeah. i guess by the rock wall and that like sort of auto reboots it, him like, it unlocks, <laughs> hard reset it like, the chakra which had previously been blocked yeah. by him it's the reset yeah. button it, it, on a super this, nintendo it's yeah. a paper clip into the little hole in the router to actually do or like yeah. going into the car <laughs> Yeah. Any metaphor yeah. you choose, it's so what it does there. he goes into the Avatar state, and then you see some real shit, right? Where he decides to showcase that he is a... Ma- in the Avatar state, he is a master right. of all four elements. Um, so then he does the air the bubble around him, which is like the, the Aang classic. And, and, the, and the rocks, and the fire, and, and the water. And he looks like yeah. an atom, right. right? I think... This is the worst possible way to showcase that he is the master of all four elements. I think it looks you're wrong. Stupid. You're wrong. Oh, I'm a ball with a (laughs) circle of rocks, a circle of fire and this weird circle of water around me. Like, look at my atom that I've made that looks because, you know, the atom has never done any. Okay. Okay. My anyone in World War Two. I just think it's not effective. I don't I don't like it as. You know, it's cool. It's all four. All it's visually stunning. Like, like, what, what, what do you? What do you? I find it. What do you guys think? I'm sorry. I'm out. I'm out. Like, I'm out. As, I'm out. Well, stop I'm saying out. you're out and let others speak. So, like, as as a chemistry nerd, I love a good atom, dude. Like, like I love a good a, a good uh, art mimic mimics life. You know, like I want him to make make a make a chemistry shape out of all those different types of chemistry it's pretty cool like i don't know it i don't i don't like that it's like the ultimate power move like i don't like it's that it's like like exactly what you're saying like it's like the only way that i can showcase all these things is by doing this but like then come up with a better way because i don't know a better way that he can showcase all of those things besides literally protecting himself with all four elements at once and at the same time using all four elements as a weapon like i don't know a better way they do it it. i think they do it better in the opening sequence (laughs) when there's four different people and four different benders like when they show the avatar only the avatar master of all four elements when they show roku doing his thing that I am in 100% agreement with Emily. I think that oh, shit yes. does not look that cool. Oh, okay. I think anybody who can literally technically bend any one of them can move them around themselves. I agree. The image of the atom is awesome. But really, with within bending, the ultimate displays of power to me have always been either you're removing a very, very large amount of the material or more importantly, you've found a different way to use it. Blood bending, okay. lightning, metal bending. Metal bending. So for me, I think that the intro is a great example of where you can show that you have ultimate. I, I think going back a few episodes to where Taylor was talking about how significant it was to stop all the rain. I think I think for a moment, like stopping everything and lifting up everything on earth at once that's a display of power right just moving them all around mm-hmm. yourself that is just technically being able to do all of them counterpoint yeah. one of the one of the reasons in addition to the atom imagery which i absolutely agree with shannon we never see roku bend more than one element at a time he does a lot of them in quick succession 
he does a lot of different cool things like bending the heat out of a fucking volcano. Right. But in Aang in this one moment in the Avatar state is simultaneously bending every element at once around himself and then using portions of it to do like his attacks and everything. So like we like I take the air, I take the water, I create the fire and then I take the earth and I literally crunch it down into diamonds. Another thing we've never seen anyone do. And then while simultaneously bending all the elements also fights. That's one of the reasons I think it's like fucking badass. I think as it's hell. super cool, but you do kind of have to like investigate it and like really start to think about it a little bit. I don't think it has the same emotional impact of like when somebody blood bends, you know, or when somebody yeah. lifts up a mountain, you know, like it's a different. I agree. I feel like blood bending has the added weight because it's that corruption. Yeah. And that's just that carries such incredible weight. And then I'm 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 just with Jorge where it's just lift a mountain for me or yeah. like make a We're in the final wall, fight. Make a tsunami. You know, like that is an impressive Yeah. Like make a fucking tsunami, which he did at the end of season one. So what like what's the whole die? Yeah, that's the thing. The um, end of season one, there's impact in and being in that in that <laughs> monster where everybody's like lays down to pray to it yeah. because I it mean, is I so think, epic. I mean, I think part of I think there is. Oh, sorry, Shannon. I think part of the it. thing is that that's not what Aang is trying to do. Aang isn't trying to be like, look at me. I'm like Ozai. Look how Aang? powerful I Aang's am. Aang's not there. He's anymore. like he. What do you mean? He is though. He is though. He has to break from. He it. has control. No, he has control over the Avatar state. Oh, okay. At this point. I thought you were saying it was literally. That's not what Aang. the I was like, no, it's opening up. Aang. No, opening up the, opening up the it last chakra Aang. gives him control over the yeah, Avatar so state. So Aang's goal is that's not why to he's be able like, to turn it let off. Let me show everyone how cool and powerful all four elements are at once, which would be dope and cool. Yeah, but, but like, like that's what I want to see. Storyline, yeah, but like in the storyline, obviously that's not what he's doing. He ends up like completely pussying out of killing him anyway he's just like doing i take your powers you know like <laughs> I, so i so like again okay, okay so hold like, on so last like, thing on the atom last so thing on like, the atom saying like maybe the atom thing was the best way to like like he he literally put himself in a bubble and then like did like the hamster wheel thing where you can just like crush anything and you're like like when people go in the big inflatable ball and they just like <laughs> run over other people you know what i'm talking yeah, about yeah i know what you're talking yeah. about so it's like what that I, like that's what, what he i needed to do at the moment and then he came back from that to like destroy him but he didn't need to be like watch how powerful i am controlling all four elements and i will okay. make it look as cool as possible just for you audience just for you guys last thing i think is everyone else who bends has to move right they even if it's a sl- subtle thing like boomy has to like shoot his chin up in order to get the rocks in ang is able to make four different conflicting styles happen all at once. Like the, the Northern Shaolin for firebending the Hungar or the Southern Mantis. I was wrong. Thank you listeners for correcting me <laughs> for uh top style of earth bending the Tai Chi for water and the Baguazhang all at once. And he's able to do it while staying stock still. Like he is just moving through that. So that is the, I, I think like that, that absolute, encapsulation of what the the message of the show is like though there are conflicting elements of self whether they be conflicting elements of morality conflicting elements of matter or conflicting like moments in story this is the moment where we see the absolute incarnation of that harmony happening at once for justice and it looks like 
stillness. So, it looks like I think, peace. I don't think there were actually and power in disagreements about anything. You know, if I was a reviewer for your thesis about these these topics, both of you, uh, Shannon and Taylor, uh, I'd be like, "Yep, they are correct about all these things. All these things are true. These are all reasons why." This atom display is an epic, is, is, is a truly magnificent dis- display of power, literally. But I still land on, I don't care because I'm in the audience <laughs> and I want to see King Ghidorah emerging from a tropical storm. You know, I, I want to see, yeah, the, the mountain crumbling before the might that is Aang, the small boy with all the power in the universe. <laughs> Yeah, I agree. I want to see that 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 massive power, but then we see the ma- the ultimate show of power is him turning off the Avatar state. He bests Ozai. He, you know, traps him with earth earth bending, and then the ultimate. If he is the, uh, you know, big toxic masculinity guy, then the ultimate emasculation of taking his power away from him. He's jacked though so i mean <laughs> maybe he can be a boxer no, but for, for benders <laughs> that doesn't fucking matter ripped yeah so as he, Sokka has shown us it doesn't matter <laughs> it doesn't matter so he takes his bending away which is also you find out the mechanics of energy bending as he's doing it which is a cool reveal right where he has ozai on his knees he touches his heart and his forehead and he's able to recall what the lion turtle said to him, which is that you have to be completely resolute and uh, I believe it's pure, pure of heart, heart, basically. Right? In order to bend the energy in another, your own energy must be unbendable. Must be unbendable. So you have to be, yeah. So resolute is the more correct word. Um, and he's proven that he is resolute. He doesn't want to kill. He wants another way. And he's not willing to corrupt his own soul for the sake of even saving the world, which is a little selfish. A little selfish. A little selfish. Well, he manages. Well, no, no, no. Like, if you have the option between it was like a big saving, gamble. no, no, hold the phone. It like, was if a you, big gamble. but right, but if you have the option of saving the world and committing murder, and saving the world and not committing murder, like you've shown that absolute goodness does but, win, and you don't have to sacrifice personal morality to be but, ultimate. But it in wasn't order, like yeah. If it, no, no, no. The only reason it's a question it is because south, it might no, not it, have worked. Right. Yeah. If it had not have worked, we lose the kind message. Of fucked but up because it's a show. in order to be able to choose the option in which you save the world and don't murder anyone, you have to be willing to let the world die in order to avoid murdering someone. Like that's, that's the fucked up part. You have to be willing to take the chance that it won't work and you will fuck everything up. Rather than, he didn't know the energy rather than was going to work. Yeah, like, willing to let the world die. Rather than you could um, just kill him and it would be over and it would be easy and that would be it. And, and oh, so and this so is my problem. So would be a little hot, like oh, sorry. So this is this is my problem with. Uh, I mentioned it before, and this is where the problem comes in for me. Is that the the question that Brian brought up at the beginning? Like, when is it okay to take a mm-hmm. life? And like, is that ever a justifiable action? Yeah. Even if that un, even if like the act, like the the act of murder does do greater good in the end. Or the risk of not taking life does greater harm than, like, that might be an untenable risk to take. But the fact that he chooses not to and wins 
is telling. My problem with it is that it's like kind of a deus ex machina at yes. the end. Like, and by the way, there's another thing. There's energy bending, there's giving no you the way. option because it's clearly like it's the, the show clearly without energy bending is like there would have been no choice but to mm-hmm. kill Ozai. You have no choice. So we have to introduce this last minute thing to do it, which is not in the character no, of the we, show. It means we didn't. The really... show is really good at setting up things, and they don't. They just in the finale they said, oh, "By the way, there's also energy bending. We now have a way for you to not kill the Fire Lord, so that you can still be good and never have committed murder, at least intentionally. Forget the casualties well, of just, your. It means that actions. we never actually had to solve the biggest question that was left at the end. But you know, maybe that's the most important no. thing. Uh, no, 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 no. Listen to it for a sec, because uh, that's anyone who says they have the authority." to tell you whether or not it's a okay or not okay to take a life should be squinted yes. at like that. That's, 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 that's a very questionable authority to think that you have the right to take. And by this show saying that there might be another way, even if it isn't deus ex machina, I think is incredibly important. Like we can't come down fully. Well, on that's, I that's, mean, that's maybe, so- but also like he was a dictator and an authoritarian and he was the Hitler of, the Avatar world, so like, eh, yeah, I, I probably I think, deserve to die. Yeah, we're good. That's that's becoming a but I, whole but I get another what you're, but I get what huge you're topic. But let's. What I would like to focus on then is exactly Crap what us. y'all are talking about with the Deus Ex Machina part. I think is in particular because also uncharacteristically of the show, the energy bending does feel somewhat shoehorned in at the end. It doesn't. Doesn't have the same sensation of that we've been building up towards it the entire time. It's like almost many like other they were trying the to plan for Korra. Like, not going to say any spoilers, but I think Korra took advantage of the last minute thing there, and like building your premise on the last minute thing in the previous series. I feel is like kind of like why it's shaky. Like in the, the only reason I can think of is that they were like, no, you can't actually kill somebody. Like, yeah, we get that you guys were talking about like whether or not it's right to kill somebody, but then like. Y'all were going to kill that person? Like, sorry, we can't do that on Nickelodeon. And then the Avatar so creators what? were like, <laughs> really, dude? He's a dictator. Like, dude, are you yeah, serious? What if it was like the Come whole on, plan dude. was to like, kill Ozai at the end? And that's they're what like, I'm Sometimes saying. it's okay to kill that's people. That's like, what it is. Oh, uh, I'm sorry. Would you rather us not kill Hitler on Nickelodeon? <laughs> and then Nickelodeon was like, um, uh, I just, oh, dude, I don't, I don't, <laughs> but maybe. Sorry, they're, they're both doing that. Maybe let him kill himself. Uh, both Shannon and Taylor doing that thing where you put the tips of both of your index fingers together with your thumbs out oh, like finger guns oh, touching each other but like you grind them like uh barrel rolling clockwise and counterclockwise you're doing Twist. you're doing like yeah. both a very good and very bad description i know but it's like pretty a accurate. bad wringing yeah. your yeah. hands but uh, i do i don't know who made avatar but i do love the idea of them being in a meeting with Nickelodeon where they're just like, so you wouldn't kill Hitler. And they're like, I, we're just saying that you can do it TV. Oh, so you wouldn't kill Hitler. So cool. we can I talk about genocide, but we're not allowed to kill the genocide. I just want like, you to okay, know that Nickelodeon. I'm going to kill as many well, characters as I can. Yeah. To, uh, to create a parallel with our second most popular topic of all time, philosophy, um, oh. there is... Die. The point of a plot, like the point of like a platonic dialogue, is that it doesn't necessarily resolve you at the end. They all sex. have very unsatisfying endings. Oh, please, Socrates fucks. And um, the point of that is that it is the dialogue. The important thing is to make sure that you are unsure 
of like uh, of where you stand on these moral issues like to any like what you said before anyone who claims absolute authority whether or not it's a okay or not okay to take a life is like someone who shouldn't be trusted that that tension um that conflict within ourselves which has been a theme through the show the conflict of what is good what is bad for zuko the conflict of whether to take a life or to not take a life the conflict between the elephants the conflict between the nations and the conflicts that we've seen resolved and unresolved through the show is the important thing and it resolves itself kind of by having the same sort of unsatisfactory ending that like okay I don't really like how you guys edit it, but now I want to keep talking about it. Like we've clearly been talking about it. Like we're still, no, but we're, we're talking about it. it because I think they cheap, they cheaped out. They like squirreled out of it. Whereas I think exactly what you're talking about now could have been much more effectively achieved. If for example, Aang had or had not killed the fire Lord, it, they could have found some way to resolve it, you know, fine. But then we have characters that do and do not agree with this decision. And then we're left to, for us to have to talk about whether or not we agree with the decision. As things are right now, his decision, there's no way to disagree with it. Because obviously he didn't have to do the murder. He got to fix everything. Everything's fine. There's no way to disagree with it. You know, there's no there's no discussion it, to be had there because he did the right thing at the end because of this dust, the, the day of six mocking. I get where you're coming from. I absolutely do. Uh, the reason I brought up Plato specifically is because like, like a lot of the dialogues they talk about, uh, for example, the Gorgias, like, is it is it worse to have harm done on you or is it worse to do harm to others? And the, the, inter- don't, the interlocutor don't talk, obviously don't talk says, like, it's, to me. No, no, talk no, no. Avatar. <laughs> okay, talk Avatar. So at the end of the Plato, which leads into the Avatar, he goes like, right cool so we haven't really solved this issue but let me tell you about this other little story that i have and then the play the dialogue just ends I like didn't know Plato i didn't avatar. Get, I get, <laughs> he gets there i don't really have a re- resolution i don't like this weird thing that you brought up in the last minute and that's how you end it and the structure is platonic in that way like i don't really like this energy bending thing that you just brought up but i still want to talk about like whether or not it's a fucking k to kill hitler like i, I like you guys made this a question boardroom or not not Hitler. Ozai. Like, let's be clear. It's okay. Okay. Official stance of are we friends? It's okay to kill Hitler. Shoot him. If you have the opportunity, shoot Hitler. But Ozai, like now we have a question because of how they set it up in Avatar. Mm. I think it, it does you. match really well. It is a solid parallel. Says me, but you know, we'll do another philosophy episode and we'll bring it back around to that. Oh, can't wait to listen to that <laughs> one. Thank you, honey. I love you too. <laughs> So the finale. Yeah, the, finale the resolution. The of the finale. So yeah, the very after, end. After all the... Sorry. I was like, I, Last is thing it we, bad that I was like, bitch, are you going to start talking about this episode from the beginning? Because I will leave. <laughs> no, 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 no. So like really quick, just let, bullet out some points right, so we know what we're talking right about. Get to the last thing I wanted to say about Ozai, completely separate topic, is I don't like the way in which uh, Sokka comes and starts doing his like goofy thing with him and like... He starts. Uh, Ozai all of a sudden is a goofy anime character again. Uh, oh my yeah. god! He just immediately gets getting like starts getting shat on by mean yeah. teens. It's like the worst. It's the worst. Well, there's just fate, a really weird like you know? he tries to get up and punch someone and, and he can't, but not in like a dramatic way, in like a funny anime way. You know, it's like, like ah, we have taken the toxic masculinity from your system. Ah, <laughs> you have no yeah. power left. And, uh, <laughs> and now we're gonna shit all over you because we're like, mean <laughs> teenagers. Y'all did so- in our house, we feel like that would be the better policing force. It's just getting like really. <laughs> like bite
bitingly mean, sarcastic who needs, girls. Who yeah, needs like, talk who needs down. Mean, mean like, hot barista meanies. girls. Yes. Mean hot baristas. I feel yeah. like any, this is like a bit of a tangent that I won't really go on because we're super running out of time, but I feel Bloody. like anything <laughs> that is, we're, we're thinking about alternatives to the police right now as we all should be. And like, my my hot take is that the police should be repa- replaced by mean hot barista girls who just quietly look down on everything I you love do. That. You know, they just make you want to be better because they're so hot and mean and condescending that they're just like Oh really? Oh That's... really? You're going to do that? Oh, if you um, if you want to like really I mean, like you're really being a lot right now. Mean. You're being a lot right now. Yeah, but uh, yeah, that's pretty much what they do to Ozai. Is they're just like, oh, look at you. What do we call you now? The Lord of Nothing or whatever. And he's like, I'm the Phoenix King. But more like the Phoenix Cuck got it <laughs> yeah, in. They're, <laughs> they're like more like Loser King. And it's like, ooh, when t- I learned from working with teenagers that when teenagers are mean to you, it hurts. Like I don't I don't know why cuz you've no social capital what whatsoever. Well this because well, they haven't had it done to them enough that they can spill it out and not understand what it means to have it spilled out on them. This this whole meal took a significantly different flavor all of a sudden. Um let's, I mean <laughs> Sorry, man, let's we go. should probably go back and think about some of those things later, but let's move on to after uh after they defeat Ozai, you were saying, in which way do does the rest of the, the story yes. unravel? So really quickly, and then I'll introduce, because uh, Emily has one of my favorite points about Avatar ever. Uh, we see a lot of resolution really quickly. We see that um, Iroh has gone back to Ba Sing Se, opens up his tea shop. They're all hanging out together. Sokka paints a terrible picture. Aang uh, and Katara, which is the very last moment of the entire series, um, kiss. The end comes yeah. up, but before that, we see Zuko being crowned the new fire lord azula never gets crowned the fire lord azuko does take it from her um and it's righteous and it's good and we see um a huge collection of different peoples at this one uh coronation so we see representatives of every nation as much as is possible there and then we see a moment a quick moment where uh, tai Lee comes up in Kyoshi warrior makeup and Sokka says, wait, it's Tai Lee pretending to be a Kyoshi warrior. And like, no, it's actually Tai Lee. We want her to join us. And this is important because. So this is another character development thing that I think is super neat. And I think they do a really good job with almost everyone in wrapping up a lot of stories in a neat bow. Uh, but I, I start from the end of the boiling rock where Tai Lee disobeys Azula and you know goes to bat for for may and then they go into and and before even that they have the beach episode where tylee talks about her backstory why she became a quote-unquote circus freak and that's because she had seven sisters who all looked exactly like her she was part of a match set she couldn't you know, be her own person. And through that insecurity of not having that attention for seeking, seeking attention through the wrong places, through boys, what have you, she goes into the circus, becomes her own person and is ripped away from that. Uh, but it's still very much this individual and is incomplete. You then have this huge amount of character development where she becomes a Kiyoshi warrior because she becomes so secure in herself that she is then able to put on the matching makeup, put on the matching outfit, and once again be part of a team, which she was unable to do 
before because she yeah. was so controlled and so trapped by her own yeah. insecurities. So you really see this growth of all of the characters it, or as many as they could possibly mm -hmm. do in the last scene. But that's just such a neat one to me where she was like this, you know, I was disobedient. I left. I joined the circus because I needed to be my own person. And then you realize that she's grown so much that she can actually be a Kyoshi warrior because and she's still be an individual she's grown so much and is so secure in her individuality that she can put on a uniform. And, you know, you could you know? say that it's it's just a coincidence that it turned out that way because like it, it was just a nice thing to throw her in with the Kyoshi Warriors. But that kind of that kind of thing happens so often like those bows are tied up so neatly and like mm -hmm. some of those things work out so cleanly as we've talked about for how many hours now uh, throughout like these many, these four episodes like it it a lot of it. So much of it has to be on purpose. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think there's a lot of thought, a lot of care, and a lot of detail to structure um, throughout this entire series. I think they did a really, really, really great job. Um, I do want to bring up briefly that the very last line in Avatar The Last Airbender is a blind joke. <laughs> the very last thing that's said. Toph says, uh, like, everyone's critiquing Sokka's painting, and Toph says, I think you all look great. <laughs> and then there's not another line spoken. It's a silent uh, scene between Aang and Katara that leads up to the the end. The very last line is a blind joke. There's not even, there's sort of like but a I do blunt. love that he's wearing. And is, there there a kissy, have, is there a kissy noise they when they kiss? Uh, I don't remember. <laughs> is it a silent kiss? No, there's music. There's music, I believe. And Katara looks very pretty in like an Earth Kingdom dress. And Aang is wearing his uh, full, like formal monk uh, like yeah, which row, means you drop the shoulder. Which is pretty down. cool because <laughs> he shows the little shoulder. He shows yeah, the no. shoulder. No, he's wearing like what we see Monkeyazzo in every time we see Monkeyazzo. You're right. He is wearing that in the very last scene. It's the only time he's seen wearing that is the coronation of uh, yep. Zuko, and then uh, from then on, it, it's sort of I guess for him it symbolizes becoming a master, right? Because he never wore that. He always wore the pupil outfit right. no matter what like even when he was in the fire nation he chose a student's mm. like uh uniform like good and then he becomes like this master and he wears the the master i um, have mastered everything even the art of calls, not killing but he wears like what the the normal robes of a master that's a really that. good that's point. A very good point yeah we mentioned um costuming in our last episode as well about how the costume that Ian uh, Ang chose uh, chooses <laughs> is sorry, not Ian from an earlier episode. Ang chooses is a weird, uh, exact description of himself. Like it has an arrow and he wears it upside down, so it matches the tattoo that he's covering. Like it's very much even in different clothing, he identifies himself in this very particular way. And now we finally see him uh, taking on a new dress. Mm. Like he is uh, th this change in costume marks a change in character i, I particularly like that zuko comes back and serves tea at the shop he does he's serving yes, tea. i do too for me it's like when he gets coordinated it's just like it's like you know like the 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 pulling on your collar because like i don't know about this. what do we call you now anybody being in that much charge of one nation is a problem yeah. but uh but he still shows this humility, humi uh, humility by being able to serve yeah, his Yeah, by friends. showing that he's still under the Avatar's thumb and <laughs> socialism <laughs> rules over all. And we're going to be okay in a perfect utopia until Korra is born. 
Yeah, and thankfully we never have to talk about Korra because we talked about Avatar The Last Airbender and all of its iterations in these four episodes. I think I called out almost every... The the best reason to watch Korra is some cool shit in, in season three with like that, that evil airbender I talked about, but mostly just to yeah, see Zaire. what kind of references you get from the original show, and I think I covered most of them throughout the series. You were good on it. You had them, yeah. Now I never have to watch you Korra. You will have to listen to our episodes. Thank though, God. To catch all of those. <laughs> so I'm sorry. That, that, is almost, that is a worse pain on its own, probably. At least in Korra, you probably, don't know what's going to yeah. happen, really. But <laughs> At least I don't have to listen yeah. to this one, because that was you. <laughs> <laughs> all right, everybody. We want to thank uh, Shannon and Emily so much for being here with us. We're really happy you guys uh, were with us for our last four episodes as an audience for entirety of Avatar The Last Airbender. Uh, Emily, do you want to plug some pluggables for us? What do you, what do you got? I would love to. Uh, you can hear more from me and also my brother John at Downtime with John and Emily. We're no, uh, we're found on almost every streaming platform. Just go ahead and Google us. We're also found on getdowny.com, and you can email us at ooh, downtimesubs at gmail.com, as well as follow us on social media at Downy Siblings, both Twitter and Instagram. Once again, that's at Downy Siblings, and that's the best way to get in contact with us, mostly via Instagram, and just give us a quick DM. I'd also like to shout out the puppy noises <laughs> by uh, the new member of our family. I'm very sorry for the beginning of this episode with her with her barking. She did pass out, though, and she is, she is safe and happy. So. Sorry um. for that, guys. <laughs> So tugboat aside, Shannon is also a, a, a member of the cast with us on our other project. Shannon, would you like to plug Outlaws and Old Ones for sure. us? Sure. Uh, so I play Remy McSquemmy on Outlaws and Old Ones, and these folks here are all also on Outlaws and Old Ones, which is our streaming Call of Cthulhu primetime high-quality show that airs Thursdays at 7 p.m., on our Twitch channel, which is twitch.tv slash the outlaws network. Uh, so check that out yep. at 7 PM on Thursdays, hop in the chat, do a little chatteroony with us, give us your feedback, check out the show. We would love to see you there. Yes. Uh, Shannon also pointed out that we should probably as the podcast ask, are we friends? Ah, Yes. So before uh, we do our two hosts going out, what do we think, everybody? On the topic of Avatar The Last Airbender, book three in its entirety. In its into- oh, cause are we, we, we left friends? Because we didn't do it at the end of the last one because we said we'd do it now. Mm-hmm. Just like so obviously, yes. Like, like yeah. Even, yeah. even if we all disagreed on the best way that Aang could showcase the four elements in the last scene. Like but literally we could disagree. That. We could disagree on like every other thing in this show and it would still be like, yeah, the way that we talk about this shit, dude, obviously. Yes. We're all friends on this. Yeah. We still talked yeah, about it for two exactly. hours. Jesus. Yeah. We, we very the, clearly just piled down. Yeah. The and the ship, fact that like, this was hard, indicative so. of like, I don't know, say like 5% of all of our complete conversations as friends about this topic. Like, yeah, we're, we're friends. It's, it's fine. We're friends about this. Yeah, no, uh, I completely agreed. I I was just trying to imagine what somebody who isn't super down with uh, avatar, like what, what an actual disagreement about it would be like. And it's just like, no, I don't. I 
seems stupid. Why are you, I'm why a are you still talking? Uh, about this? I don't understand. Yeah. I'm yeah. pretty sure everyone likes Avatar. Like, I, I've not met an Avatar hater. I don't know. Imagine someone walking. Like, Hello, my name is Jonathan, and I'm joyless, and I don't like uh, Avatar. No, I know. Just okay, cool. Well, you're a broken. I've person. met one person who specifically has said that that they. Uh, Given a bunch of 90s cartoons would drop Avatar before the others. Oh, I'll yeah, but that person had not watched it, so oh, that I person cannot that, make a actually. fair judgment. Well, we're going to get yeah. them on. We're, well, we're, I, clearly, that person was not hard enough as a child. That was a social media <laughs> post that I wrote a response to, and then... It's like, delete, 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 delete. Like, you are not going to enter this <laughs> ring right now. Like, That's ding, ding. Like, here we go. go uh, I will say, we, they will be on here eventually, so we can yeah. we can hound them about it then. Yeah. So, yes, bottom Sounds line, good. I am I am friends on, on Avatar with anybody who's willing to talk to me about it for this long. All right, everybody. Thank you so much. I have been your entirely encased in the badass Adam of all four elements co-host, Taylor. I have been your extremely bisexual firebending host, Shannon. I have been your oh geez, element style bending uh, substitute co-host, Emily. And I'm still just for her. And we will talk to you guys next week. Avatar State. Yep, yep. Hee <laughs> hee.